On this episode, we discuss The Monsters. A silly movie perfect for nonstop nut November. <laughs> what? <laughs> Hold on. Is that a thing? <laughs> yeah, you watch a bunch of nutty movies. <laughs> oh, okay. Look, you promised a hot one and you delivered. Mm-hmm. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Flop House. I'm Dan McCoy. Hey, I'm Stuart Wellington. Hey, I'm Elliot Kalen. We've got a very special guest today for No Nonsense November. That's right, No Nonsense, everybody. We're just doing what we're supposed to do, minimum of nonsense, and joining us (laughs) to help us with that is, uh uh-oh, Mr. Nonsense himself. No, just kidding. It's Kevin Marr, one of the friends of the show and one of the great, great, great pop culture presenters of New York City, uh, there, there's not exactly a succinct way of describing what Kevin does, but he's the absolute I can, best I can at, try at doing if you want. it. There's a show called Kevin Geeks Out that he do, has done for a long time that if you like the uh, presenta- presentations we do at our live shows, uh, the PowerPoints about silly things, uh, you would like this show and you would actually probably learn something unlike at our show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was when I lived in New York. I was a uh, longtime attendee of these shows, and mm-hmm. I was always inspired by them. I always thought they were fantastic. Uh, and you can get a taste of them actually online. There's a there's some of them up. I'm a big fan of Kevin's dealing with the trauma of Vietnam through '80s detective show uh, presentation. Uh, but he's here to promote his new book, Santa Doesn't Need Your Help. Uh, which <laughs> oh, he's he, holding up a he's, copy. He's okay. holding it there for the viewers at home who. Don't exist. Uh, and, oh, oh, and, and he's only of New York. That's it's funny. I mean, that's, he's oh, doing no, he's all these like, physical things. They're fighting and now. Oh, the, talking at all, <laughs> which is books. a weird. <laughs> I'm waiting <laughs> for it to be done. Okay. This is a, no, I, please I, interrupt. You can't. It was a lot. No. I wait, wait for this kind of positive feedback. Elliot I'm finally going to get it. I'm not going to interrupt. He will not afford you. I'm saying. What Dan I'm and sharing Stuart, the shelf yeah. with, that, with the maniac of New York, with the maniac of North Pole. I just want to say this, bookstores, you should stock both of these books, Santa Doesn't Need Your Help, and Mania of New York, don't put them on the same shelf. They, they really no. shouldn't go on the same shelf. No, they really— one is, one is kind of a seasonal— The shelf will collapse. Seasonal humor, all, all ages book. Yeah, all ages. Right? And the other is a non-seasonal horror satire that is not for all ages, unless your kids are totally twisted. Uh-huh. What are you, Cormac McCarthy yeah. or something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, baby Cormac? Yeah he's, yeah, he's a messed up little dude. Maybe maybe you're buying presents for Cormac McCarthy, age seven. He'll like Blood Maniac Meridian. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but Kevin, thank you so much for joining us today. My We're pleasure. Really I'm glad I could watch. I'm glad I could have a, an excuse to watch The Monsters a second time. <laughs> oh, God. Wow. Ooh, oh God. lucky boy. Before we get into it, I, I, I do want to ask, like, what? Why did you watch the what? monsters well, first no, time? That was the question you were going to ask. Well, we can ask that question because it's got monsters in but it. But I wanted to ask all of you what your history with the monsters <laughs> is, if anything. Cool. That's I was a good ask, question. I was going to ask the same question. That's a good question. I mean, I'm happy to go first because yeah, sure. I'm always happy to go first. Uh, as a kid, I never really liked the monsters. I was in my mind for some reason there had to be a rivalry between the Adams Family show and the Monsters show. 
I would watch both of them and Nick at Night because I was not old enough to watch them when they originally aired. But I'd watch them on Nick at Night, and I found the Adams Family show so much funnier. And I was also a little insulted at the idea that the Munsters, monsters, the Universal monsters, were being treated so cavalierly. Mm. Now I'm not quite as much of an extremist about that. <laughs> but as a kid, I was like, they're supposed to be scary. They're not silly. <laughs> They should be scary. Yeah. Stuart? Uh, yeah. I I mean, as a kid, I think I, f- I feel like I caught uh, reruns on Nick at Night, and I loved it. Like, I love the monsters. Uh, not for any particular, like, anything about the characters. I think I just loved seeing monsters doing stuff. Uh, I feel like I probably talked about this on air before, but I remember as a kid, I read this series of books what I cannot remember the name, but it was a series of books of like little kid monsters that are like going to school and shit. And I loved it. Like, give me that stuff. And the monsters, unlike the Adams family, actually look like universal monsters. That's so I loved true. it. I mm-hmm. think one of the reasons I liked the Adams family was they seemed a little creepier to me because they were not a thing that I could easily pigeonhole. It was like I couldn't quite put a finger on why Gomez and Mortician Wednesday seemed weird or creepy. Uh-huh. But with the monsters, it was like, yeah, it's a Frankenstein. But wait, wait a minute, a Frankenstein plus a Dracula equals a wolf man? What kind of genetics is this? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah, call, yeah. calling Dr. Mendel, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll afford – uh, Kevin, the honor of going last, but I just, I never really watched <laughs> the, the honor the of getting to honor. speak last. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What he said. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I like, yeah. When I was growing up, the Munsters was in syndication a lot. Uh, I would happen upon it. I would always think like, oh, I'm going to like this cause it's got monsters in it. And I did like, uh, Fred Gwynn, uh, you know, he's great. Um, yes, but yeah, my cousin Vinny's Fred Gwynn. Yeah, but I, in general, it, even as a child, I was like, "Hmm, a bunch of monsters in suburbia." This seems like a pretty thin premise. <laughs> like, like how are you going to extend <laughs> this? Because it was all just like, oh, a clash, like a clash between these two things, fish out of water, and uh, it wasn't really for me. I wanted it to be funnier, but uh, Kevin, what do you I have love to the say? idea of little kid Dan watching going, mm, I don't think it has legs. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, what about you? Uh, uh, same same thing. Latchkey kid grew up watching a ton of TV, could not watch, watch the monsters, no doubt, could not tell you a plot or a detail from the monsters for the life of me. Yeah. Like, yeah. even though no, I watched a ton here. of it, it, it just didn't make an impression beyond its premise so I, uh, I I don't have any particular fondness yeah. for it, and I today I I lump it in with stuff like Speed Racer, where I get that there are boomers and people who have a affinity and a nostalgia for it, and it just it means nothing to me. <laughs> but I'm aware of it. <laughs> it means okay. nothing. Yeah, it, it's what there's this. I feel like there's a memory sync. There are certain things I remember so well from when I was a kid that I watched. And there are other things that have just disappeared. Mm-hmm. It's like, I know I watched a ton of He-Man like when I was a kid, I, I remember, and I remember none of the plots. I barely remember the characters. I remember my watching my parents get in this huge fight this one time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that kind of, I mean, that kind of stuff mm. I remember it very well. It just burned into my brain more than the monsters I, for do, some reason. Do I, remember, do I remember exactly what I was looking at when I was 10 years old and on a vacation in California with my family, and I realized my parents would get divorced someday based on their behavior? Yes, I remember wow. that very clearly. And that had a bigger impact than The Monsters, <laughs> they, uh, a movie some, about monsters living in suburbia. Somehow that had a bigger impact yeah. than the TV show, The Monsters. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But The Monsters— Because I assumed— Oh, the mustards? Sorry. <laughs> the mustards? <laughs> I said it right. <laughs> it sounded like you said, I just know you love mustard. Mm. And so I thought you were talking about the mustards, the show about a family of condiments that live in suburbia. And yeah, I think the it's weird that the regular people are not on hot dogs. <laughs> the yeah. dad. Uh, <laughs> now this has legs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the dad is, is golden mustard. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then they've got 
crazy cousin spicy mustard. The mustard mustard. That's what they call their cast list. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> French cousin Dijon mustard. Anyway, uh, <laughs> no, I like Rob Zombie. More mustard jokes, Dan. <laughs> Tell us more mustards, you know. Unlo- unlike us, Rob Zombie clearly loved the monsters. Um, was nutty about the monsters, which is odd though, because this movie that he made about the monsters only introduces the premise of the monsters about half an hour before it's over. <laughs> it's it's a it's a movie. It's so Rob Zombie. This was a real passion project. He's been trying to do this for years. Yeah, he's been trying to make a monsters movie, which uh, uh, all I the, the closest thing I compare it to is Terry Gilliam's desire to make a Don Quixote movie and being thwarted at every step of the <laughs> way. Like this is similar success this, at the end of the road. <laughs> you know, this, I never. It's so. I still have not seen that Don Quixote movie, and never. It's so crazy to me that for years. I was hoping for its release, and I watched a documentary about how it would never get made. Yeah. And then when the movie finally got made and it was re- available for free on Tubi, I think, I was like, I'll get around to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Who cares? <laughs> well, by, by that time, know. our fondness this for Terry Gilliam had, some... had tanked, I think. Yeah, it dissipated somewhat. <laughs> but it was like, this was more fun as a movie that would never get made. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yet he, he wanted to do this for years, and it is strange that it's essentially a prequel for The Monsters, mm-hmm. yes. which is— a weird— Like a franchise setup, basically. Yes, as, as a, to spin off, I guess, a new show or a new series yeah. of monster movies. But but it's like—it feels like a premise that doesn't really need much of a explainer. I will say that, you know? like, while this whole movie is fairly leaden in its p- pacing, um, I find the last part where they're actual fish out of water the least interesting of it. So maybe Rob Zombie oh, too. was right about his own, like, the version of the monsters That's that possible. he was going to make— I mean, there's a real, there's a real kind of cartoony kind of Pee Wee's Playhouse visual flair yeah. to it. Throughout, I mean, the I mean, the bad side of that is it's a movie that is shot as if it was a Fox live action Saturday morning show from the '90s. Like it looks, you know, it does it. It's a lot of bright neon colors and it's overlit and things like that. But but it like it has a look to it. And then they get to the suburbs and suddenly, it, yeah, it's kind of dull and it doesn't look that great. And uh, and for some reason, they decide to take Cassandra Peterson and slather her with witch makeup yeah, for almost all strange. of her scenes, which is bonkers. <laughs> Why would did you do that? Um, but let's let's. I mean, we've laid enough groundwork. Let's get into this movie, which is. I, do, do you feel like we need to explain the premise of the monsters it, for any any Gen Z kids that are listening? Uh, it's a bunch of monsters. They live in uh, like a normal like suburb. Uh, Audrey, That's the TV show. The they begin in Transylvania. Well, no, I I. The premise of the monsters. I thought that was what Elliot was talking <laughs> oh. about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, but you know, let's just get to the. I mean, we'll there was it, a since... there was a normal cousin or something in the that's not yeah. in this film. She's yeah. beautiful. Well, I don't like the use of the word normal, but, but yeah, there was a there was a non monster. Yeah, no, yeah. Sure. Okay. Anyway, I believe they called her on the on the original series. I believe they called her the white sheep of the family mm. <laughs> because that was the kind of jokes the original sitcom would use mm-hmm. all the time. Like this yeah. familiar cliche, we flipped it because we're monsters. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. They'd be like, that's the way the corpse crumbles. You know, yeah. it's, it's it. like it was. Yum, I, yum, I think yum. with I think maybe that was part of the difference with Adam's family. There was a little bit of that, but there was also like just this. They were their super enthusiasm for everything about the world that that Gomez and Morticia had and like. Like Wednesday had her own bit, and they and you know, Fester is a horrible nightmare of a man, just like a, c- a cackling, you know, bizarre creature. And the monsters, it would be, it'd be like, 
Hmm. <laughs> like, uh, are you doing okay in spelling class? Aw, oh, geez. We don't cast any spells in it. Well, I'll talk to the teacher about it. Like, that's the kind of joke yeah. they would do. Anyway. Anyway, so um, the movie begins at during an indeterminate time period. We're in Transylvania. At the beginning of the movie, I thought, okay, we're in the past, uh, but because of, like, the lanterns they were using. but And then later on, it seems like we're in maybe the 50s with the monster or 60s with the monster were set due to the like the TV sets they're using but then at one point uh-huh. uh Herman Munster does a, a Clint Eastwood and Dirty Harry impression <laughs> that really yeah. spun me out in terms of like when <laughs> it are doesn't we supposed hold to together <laughs> <laughs> I think this so let's so we're going to put together what I call a fatal flaw list and the first fatal flaw Munster's movie where in history do you take place <laughs> yeah. this is a major issue that has to be dealt with Dan, I think they just live in kind of like cartoon time. Yeah, they live but, in a, a cartoon but, uh, Transylvania. Uh, but it is disorienting that, like, yeah, that he is he that the the scientist is like using lanterns on a on a horse and carriage. Yes, and then suddenly there and then suddenly uh, Herman Munster is a rock and roll star. It's like, what is this Liz Domania? <laughs> What's going on around here? <laughs> what is this Greaser's Palace? Come on, I need I need to know what time this is. But uh, we see a couple of grave robbers. Uh, it's a real. Um, a real uh, Dr. Frankenstein and his assistant uh, situation. Um, and later on, I, I took me a surprising amount of time to recognize that the assistant is played by uh, Jorge, Jorge Garcia, Garcia from Lost. Yeah, from Lost. Hurley. Yeah. Uh, Who's pretty funny in this? I gotta, hey, he, he's got one of the better performances. Right off yeah, the yeah. bat, I'm going to say that I think that the performances are not the problem with this movie. I think No, no. The, everyone's, no. everyone's doing fine and they're they're delivering them at the tone that they need to for the material yes. and things like that. You know, like this is, everyone's kind of doing kind of kind of Borscht Belty type delivery and stuff, which is, the way, I guess, the way you got to go. I would describe but it I, as elevated. Yeah. <laughs> but but I think even 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 with that in mind, So you'd call I this think, elevated horror? <laughs> <laughs> H24 is the monster. <laughs> <laughs> I think even with the elevated performances, there's a lot of freedom being granted to people who are not being measured against a 1960s sitcom cast. Mm. That like, you know what grandpa talks like and sounds like. You have an expectation for Lily, for Herman. When you introduce new characters, they're free to interpret the character however they want. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, with with, with varying degrees of success. Uh, since we have, <laughs> I mean, I like I like the I like the guy who's performing uh, as as the mad scientist doctor too. But yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, recently seen in Barbarian as a guy with some kind of crazy ideas. Oh, that's right. That's right. I forgot he's also from Barbarian. <laughs> wow. Yeah. 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 But I'm I'm a big fan of any villain character who's like that kind of Captain Hook type. Well, oh, over here, I'm a big fan of <laughs> yeah. of melodramatic, slightly effeminate villains. Mm, I like yeah. they, I find them to be the most fun. Or there's a scene uh, where Jorge Garcia is trying to commiserate with Herman Munster, and he's uh, he's like trying to he's bad talking uh, Lily Munster or you know Lily. And uh, he, he gets some new information. He's like, blah, blah, blah. What? what, what, what? <laughs> and it was such a perfect take. I was like, I haven't seen this in real life ever before. Yeah. This is the most cartoony thing I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I remember the moment you're talking about. It is very fun. Um, anyway, so these grave robbers are trying to break into a cof- coffin and uh, a what I've described in my notes as a fancy zombie hears the noise. And turn- <laughs> this was a confusing way to open the movie. <laughs> they make a big deal out of this zombie character who's not 
really a character in the movie. <laughs> yeah, he turns to the camera. We get the title, The Munsters, in case you're confused. You thought you'd clicked on, uh, I don't know, some other ne- Squid Game Wiggle and Wild on Netflix or whatever. Um, <laughs> you thought this was Love at First, at Love, at, Love is Blind? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you, and you saw the zombie and went, oh, I hope Love is Blind. <laughs> and the zombie comes into the crypt, starts talking to them. They seem really unconcerned by the fact that the zombie is, is chatting with them. They just kill him right off and take a picture with the corpse. And then cart the body off. He's a famous zombie. Yeah, he's a famous zombie. He's 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 the piano playing zombie, right? They want his yeah. He's a famous piano hand. So they take his hands. Um, Mm -hmm. because they're making like a serpentor or something. uh, Yeah, yeah, something. (laughs) Cut to a castle. (laughs) The the idea, the idea that the talent, the talent exists in the body part and not in the brain, Uh much as in the Peter Lorre film Mad Love, in which uh, the hands of a murderous knife thrower give you murderous knife throwing abilities, or like in the Jeff Fahey movie. Body parts where he gets a serial killer's arm that's really and that talented. makes him a serial killer. Yes, exactly. And I have to assume in the movie Edward Penis Hands, I've never actually seen it, but I, I have to assume something along the same lines. Um, anyway, we cut to the castle. We meet our first main uh, cast member of the Munsters, Grandpa Monster, who rises up from his coffin, does a dramatic— Who's, Whose last name is not Munster. Right. No. Yeah, it's Herman no. Munster, but when his daughter marries Herman— I guess, for simplicity's <laughs> sake, he takes, he takes that Transyl- Transylvania well. custom. Yeah, yeah, old vampire Transylvania custom. custom. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he does one of those uh, spooky, like, rising up out of the coffin, coffin Dracula um, uh, things. Mm-hmm. Does yep. a little pose and throws us back out. Uh, so we're introduced then to his assistant, right. Igor, played by Sylvester McCoy, uh, one of the many doctors from Doctor Who. Uh, Stuart knows him as Radagast oh. uh, from... I do the know Hobbit him as Radagast. Thank you, Dan. Um, and Dan, is he related to you? No, not that I know of. I mean, I haven't done the legwork to find that 23 out. 23 and me, yeah. Uh, but okay. he cracks his back, and Grandpa is very interested in his daughter Lily's love life. She's lonely, so she sets him up with Orlock, who uh, looks like Orlock from Nosferatu, uh, a good... Mm-hmm. I mean, all of the... As Elliot says, uh, it's a little overlit, maybe for what it is, a little flat. But like the production design is really pretty. Like that's the reason to watch this yes. movie. Like everything looks like an old horror movie where part of the charm is like it looks a little cardboardy, and uh, there's a bunch of beautiful like colored lights thrown up on everything. It's got. I also I have to it, remind myself it's all watching, physical. It's yeah. all physical sets. And while watching this, I have to remind myself this is. A, Essentially, probably for children. Like it's it's not really yeah. because the content is not for children. But like a monsters movie should be a thing you can watch with children, so it shouldn't be too dark and too scary. So it's okay right. for it to be lit. Yeah. Like so it's it, wrong for me. It's wrong for me to come to a monsters movie and be like, it's not genuinely scary. <laughs> like it's not it's not nightmare. It's not nightmare fuel. You know. Yeah, it so. feels like an old you know 1930s monster movie put through the filter of a 1990s made-for-cable Canadian kids show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah with exactly. With production Perfect. value. <laughs> I think that was the original pitch. Yeah. And <laughs> they bullseye. <laughs> and, and, and Lily is played by Sherry Moon Zombie, Rob Zombie's wife. And again, Rob Zombie has proves to the world he is a number one wife guy and that he, she is fucking great in this. Like, she is good in most of the things he has put her in. But she is... I think she is genuinely like very charming and cute and she pitches it at the exact like 
you might not agree with the choice to pitch her at that level, <laughs> but she nails it. She does what she's supposed to do yeah. perfectly. I mean, I, I think, think if if she was given funny jokes to say, yes, it would be she'd knock them out of the park. Yeah, I think the issue the issue for, it's not her delivery. Her no. delivery is great. The issue with me the movie is just that it's like as as you'll find out as you as you listen to more of Dan's summary is that it's kind of less a movie <laughs> and it's almost like we did that biopic uh, that non Celine Dion biopic where it was just like not a story so much as just dramatizing every moment in Celine Dion's life. And this is kind of like that, but for the monsters. <laughs> so it's like it's like a weird thing where you're like, we gotta be true to the story. We can't just make up a fictional tale. Yeah. But these are not real people. There's, like they're not, you might as well come with, with the plot. There is no have, thrust. You know? There's no narrative thrust. Afterwards, Audrey asked me, what was the conflict in that film? I'm like, I, I don't know. <laughs> none. There was none. They, they, I mean, they deal with everything super easily. <laughs> I mean, Dan, Dan you, you texted us while you were watching, I guess, you texted a comment that somebody, maybe you were gonna save this to later, a comment you had read yeah. online where someone described it as like a porn monsters parody without the sex scenes. And yes. that is what it, feels like like it feels like you're watching the usa up all night version of the <laughs> xxx not the monsters porn parody um yeah exactly and uh but anyway they they have a they have a date orlock and lily at the boneyard cafe uh an egyptian themed mm-hmm. yep. cafe and orlock yep. is is not a great date he uh you know he makes bad he's jokes. a good dancer he's really yeah he's a great dancer he's got i mean he's on the cutting edge of euro well, Dance that comes in a second. Yes. Don't get ahead of it. He, he's okay. eating. Oh, sorry. He's eating gross. Uh, he's he's showing pictures of rats, which for some reason she's put off by, even though she just said that she likes rats. I don't know. Well, I think she was just saying that to be polite. Uh, I think he's a bore. Is the point? Yeah. yeah. It's not. It's yeah. not the the disconnect is not the rats. It's the guy going on and on and not asking a lot of questions. Yeah. And we can. All, and the subtext, of course, is that as we all know, mm-hmm. vampires are built on anti-Semitic tropes. Uh, Lily's family is obviously much more of a kind of assimilated German Jewish vampire family, uh-huh, whereas yeah. Orlock is more of a right off the boat Eastern European sure, yeah. Jewish vampire family. So there's a lot of subtext here in terms of the way different waves of Jewish immigration, again, as seen through anti-Semitic tropes of Jews being vampires, uh, uh-huh, interacted yeah. with each other in the United States in the early parts of the 20th century. So there's a lot going on here. And, and I really on, have to tip my hat to Rob Zombie for doing his research uh, about, about, well, and, and about later the, on, the ways it happened. And later on when they run into Cassandra Peterson, who's dressed up like a traditional comic witch, that was also a anti-Semitic trope. Yes, yes, very and, much so. But she kind of welcomes them to the new world, America. So I think it continues along that theme. <laughs> exactly. So I guess what we're saying is that Rob Zombie has created a real exploration of the anti-Semitic tropes of humor, uh, of, of horror, sorry, anti-Semitic tropes of horror. There are no anti-Semitic tropes in humor. Jews invented humor. <laughs> There's the anti-Semitic tropes of horror through this uh, through this sitcom. It's very subversive. Well, uh, and so Rob Zombie, I have to take the top of my head off to you because that's the kind of thing you would do in a horror movie. Speaking of uh, racist tropes, we're now introduced to uh, Lester, Cousin Lester, the the werewolf character who is oh, the one boy, this is this, this is the big the one black no. character <laughs> of the movie who is like I would not say a dissolute gambler, yeah, I would say it's, it's is, not is part of it. Yeah. Wildly over the top, but it does play into a bunch of negative It's fairly over the, over the top. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, he's the black sheep uh of the family. He's the gambler. He's like, yeah, it's 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 not great. Um and uh, he's doing like a, a Frankenstein zombie walk toward a Romani fortune teller named Zoya who has uh, drawn him in because he owes her money for for some, I, I don't know, she's loaned him. She's like a loan shark in this world, I guess. Yeah, uh, she's a loan shark. She threatens to chop off his head. Um, and uh, he 
he calls, I guess his dad, I guess he's actually his grandpa's monster's son. It's, I don't know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's Grandpa Monster's son. He's Lily's brother. Yeah, he calls Grandpa, and Grandpa's, you know, sitting around watching Abbott and Costello meet one of the Universal monsters on TV. I think it's uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Ah, thank you. The, the, see, this is this is why we have you on. This is the thing you can speak to. Um, <laughs> but uh, he wants to sell Gran- Grandpa on the idea of selling the castle to Zoya and make it into a casino. Uh, Grandpa, you know, hangs up almost immediately. Meanwhile, back at the date, Orlock. Now, here's where the dancing comes in, Stu, that we were talking about. He takes around the corner. So he's like, close your eyes. He's like, don't look. And he's like, okay, what's going to go on? And uh, he stands under some neon, which is apparently above the door to his house that says, if this tomb's a rockin', don't come a knockin'. And he does a Love little that. dance to some techno music. <laughs> And you got to imagine that's an expensive neon sign to get. That's a lot of yeah. letters. Mm-hmm. A lot of letters. Yeah. Maybe he took a class at like the learning annex to do neon. Oh, really? Glass blowing and, and neon yeah, yeah. I- ignition? Hey, you can do it. My uh, One of my business partners is doing it right now. <laughs> uh, but this this is not, this, this erotic dance does not have the effect that he wants. Uh, she leaves. Date over. Uh, back at the castle. Date over. Don't worry, we'll, we'll see him later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In yeah. case you were worried that was the end of Count Orlock's <laughs> appearance in this, uh, don't worry, he gets to show up a bunch more times for no reason. Yeah. Uh, back at the castle, they're watching TV. There's a news flash that breaks in saying that comedian Shecky Von Rathbone was killed by an angry audience, uh, which comes right on the heels that his brother, Shelly Van Rathbone, also died. Uh, Shelly was a super genius, unlike Shecky. Uh, they're both interred at the same place, but only the, the 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 newscaster says only an idiot would confuse them. So of course we cut to an idiot. We cut to uh, the grave robbers, and uh, the assistant goes in to get the smart one, but of course comes out with the dumb one. Uh, classic Frankenstein bit. <laughs> Classic mm-hmm. Frankenstein brain switch. You got to do it yeah. because otherwise, it, what? where's the plot? You don't have one. And this is what sets the entire plot in motion, this mm-hmm. clockwork mechanism that we yep. call the Munsters 2022. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. While also answering the question for anybody who's ever watched the Munster sitcom, how did Herman get to be that way? Yeah, we got to know. Finally, yeah. finally, finally, finally yeah. we get it. There's a number, of, I mean, I think it didn't really dawn on me how uh, this was, how over the top some of the explainers were until it explained how they got their pet later on in the movie. Mm-hmm. We'll get to that where I was like, yeah. still didn't need it. Didn't still, still kind of like <laughs> didn't need the origin for this. It was, I mean, it wasn't at the level of last name. I don't have one. I'm traveling alone. Solo. <laughs> yeah. That's your last name now, <laughs> which again, is it just, again, it's the movie solo looking at the Jewish experience. So many immigrants who came to the United States, last names changed to Ellis Island, not always by the people working at Ellis Island, but uh-huh. by the immigrants themselves in yeah, order yeah, to yeah. have names that the people at Ellis Island would sure, understand. Yeah. So, you know, I guess what I'm saying is, uh-huh. guys, subtext. Oh, wow, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, Lily sits in a room. Give it. Give me a movie. Give me a movie. I'll tell you the subtext and how it talks about the Jewish experience uh, in America. I don't know. I'm looking at gremlins across the room, so. That's racist that you would even bring that up as a possibility. Okay, I just literally what's in front of me. I don't know. What just to... give me another one then. Give me another one. Give me another uh, one. Gremlins 2. <laughs> Damn gremlins it. Two. All we can think about <laughs> no, gremlins even worse. movies. Even worse. That's about, that's about control of the media. The, even yeah, worse. Muppet All right, Dan, movie. give me another one. I'm just looking Dan, at things again. in my room. 
again, incredibly what racist. About that you munchies? Would bring I don't understand. Munchies, that's a great one. Thank you, Stuart. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> again, outsiders, misunderstood, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like this game was rigged. Uh, Lily is sitting in a room. <laughs> much, much. I mean, I know this is munchies too, but if you get enough of my fellow Jewish people together, we will turn into a ball that can roll over somebody and leave just Critters a skeleton too, behind. Baby, yeah. 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 That's the that way I want to die. Critters too. Yeah. yeah that's too. Critters too. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> do you mean that is also Critters? Or do you mean it yeah. is Critters 2, the new Literally, batch? it's both. It's Critters 2, number two, the movie. But also, it is also Critters. It is Critters 2-2. Two. Two, two. Yeah. Now, <laughs> That's it's Critters 227, where Jack A. Harry lives <laughs> in a brownstone with a bunch of Critters, with a bunch of Krites. Thank you. Critters 2-2 two, two meets the hooded fang. Anyway, Lily sit- Well, Critters 22 was Joseph Heller's groundbreaking novel about, about military bureaucracy and how— and Remember the character of Critter, 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 who was given the rank of Critter because uh-huh. his name was Critter, Critter, Critter. Yeah. Guys, I'm trying to yeah. tell you about the monsters. Oh, sorry, sorry. Bring, oh, sure, bring us yeah. back to Monster we Town. Get, we got a lot of plot to— Yeah, there is— <laughs> Lily is— uh, in- I, I love that I watched the movie twice, and now I get it recounted. <laughs> like I'm tell- experiencing the monsters Kevin, let me the tell third you about the time. <laughs> yeah. Lily's lonely. She's sitting in her room, combing her hair, thinking about how much she wants love. Uh, will it come to her? Well, meanwhile, the grave robbers, uh, the scientists are making— are putting have put together the creature— they're ready to bring uh, Herman to life, uh, and uh, the assistant is like, what, like when he's asked what we should call him, he's like, "Oh, I know a, a guy who's named Herman, who was a great guy. We should name him Herman." And then for the last name, because he's eating a sandwich, he says Munster. Done. <laughs> Got it. Uh huh. Which was funny because uh, make fun of this joke all you want. Dan basically made the same joke in our t- group chat <laughs> yeah, but about how we should do the monsters. I didn't put it in a movie. I didn't think, like, people should. <laughs> well, you put it in a group chat, which is like the movies of the future. Yeah, exactly. I mean, our group chats, I am spending part of the time deliberately trying to irritate you. <laughs> so. And oh, succeeding. Weird. And succeeding. You're a master at yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, we don't know the artist's intent in Rob Zombie. I think he mm-hmm. could be creating jokes the, along the you know, the Dan McCoy method mm-hmm. of trying to irritate and provoke Like the an audience. Andy Kaufman kind of. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. I love it. Yeah. Um, well, they, <laughs> they zap Herman with electricity for a very long time. It takes a while. Uh, and mm-hmm. I mean, they are bringing someone back from the dead. It's not easy. But for a movie, yeah. <laughs> I don't need a bunch of cuts of like electricity going. You're saying it should have, you should have had like a clock wipe and it should have said like three hours yeah, later. Yeah, yeah. And they would have said, and just one more jolt. I mean, and they there. would use a clock wipe in this movie. Yeah, they use slime wipes all the time. <laughs> uh, he's not moving, but he his heart is making a clanking noise, which I thought was a weird choice because they're like, oh, it didn't work. And I'm like, well, but there is a heartbeat. So why even do that anyway but he finally wakes up there's pink lightning uh cartoon lightning bolts in the back there's a lot of these like transitions like Stuart said there's hearts behind uh lily and herman when they see each other stuff like that i like those Those a lot i like that a lot um yeah they're really calling attention to the artifice of the film yeah back at grandpa's uh watching good morning transylvania with ezra Mosier, (laughs) and uh, and uh, we should point out that the broadcasters we see on TV are played by the principal cast. Yes, yes. That that Sherry Moon Zombie is the newscaster who first mm-hmm. reports on the death of the genius, and then also uh, uh, Daniel Roebuck, who plays Grandpa, 
is doing uh, his second of three roles in the film as the host yeah. of Good Morning Transylvania. And, and Daniel Robach, the big- Robach has like 250 uh, credits on IMDb, but I mostly remember him for playing Jay Leno in The Late Shift, the made-for-TV <laughs> film about uh, Leno and Letterman's fight. He's great in that. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, so Dr. Henry Wolfgang which is the name of the scientist. I've missed it up until this point, but now I have it in my notes. Uh, okay, so Alex, just cut that clip mm-hmm. and put that, yeah. like insert that every time Dan said the science. It's less, I'm, I'm less claiming that's a fault of mine and more that this is, I think, the first time the movie makes a point of identifying him in a- Okay, cool. Oh, I'm yeah, not yeah. so sure about that, Let's but it's possible. Let's get on it. Yeah. Um, he's on, There's only one way to find out. Kevin, we're going to need you to watch this again. movie oh, for a third God. time. <laughs> <laughs> guys look I swear it's the last time anything else you need me to look up you tell me now I'm not gonna watch it this time no I think that's it I think that's it three okay, hours good. later uh, three we hours need it. there's a thing that we need you to look up <laughs> well he's on Good Morning Transylvania uh, I guess to promote his his Frankenstein's monster um, yeah, just to yes. promote being a genius yeah. it's not yeah. it's not a product but you know and we all miss those days when someone would go on the Tonight Show just to talk to Johnny just about something fun they were doing they yeah. didn't have to be promoting a movie or something Maybe, yeah like they were just trying to like Bring an animal on stage. Yeah, yeah. Like a live animal that is terrified of being on stage under the lights. But they bring him out anyway and wrap him around Johnny. <laughs> um, cool. Li- <laughs> Lily sees Herman on TV, and it's love at first sight. And I thought there was a pretty funny bit where they have Herman sit down to the piano because he expects that he can play the piano, and Herman just smashes I laughed it. at that. Yeah, that was good. That was a good joke. Great. Um and after the show, the scientists... They really paid off the entire scene with a fancy zombie <laughs> yeah. earlier in the movie with mm-hmm. that joke. It's worth uh, it. The scientist is disappointed, obviously, about what happened. Because, uh, uh, you know, this zombie... I forgot Herman also tells a bunch of corny jokes because he was a, a yeah, stand-up. Yeah, spell jokes, yeah. This is, I should mention, this is, this is one of those times when this should be a movie... You can watch with kids. Mm-hmm. I don't know, Kevin. Maybe you watch it with your kids. But the, uh, they refused. The, I invited them, and they're <laughs> like, all right, "No, good. thanks." But this is. But when the scientist comes out to brag about his monster, he they have to bleep his swearing. But you still know what he's saying, and he's like talking about how they can kiss his ass and they can eat shit. Mm-hmm. And it was like this seems like a weird moment for this monsters movie. Yeah, like it, it seems, seems like it. Like too, too. Uh, the tone is off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's not like, the, not like it's a bunch of the, minions come out and bear their ass and like oh, my, shit all over people and pull out their that. fucking dicks and squirt cum all I, over I, I everything. Say, usually in the minions movies they don't pull their dicks and squirt cum <laughs> just all like over piles everything. Piles of fucking minion jizz it's all over everything. Too, so I'm not sure, sure I could it's pee or yeah, not. Yeah. I could find you some clips of minions doing that uh, if I looked around. Not, not in the official. No, not, I don't think that's canon. That's unauthorized. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Dan belongs to a number of right wing Facebook groups that you have. <laughs> repurpose them for uh, for memes. Mm. I like the idea. Dan, the idea. Dan is also swimming in the kind of uh, the kind of Tumblr meme verse where everything he looks at is like Doctor Phil as an Eminem getting married to Shrek and a minion <laughs> jizzing on it. stuff and yeah. like it's like, at this point that he thinks of that as mainstream culture. Mm-hmm. So seeing the monsters, he's like, "What is this thing? This is weird." <laughs> yeah, where's pregnant? This isn't complex enough. <laughs> uh, Kevin, what were you gonna say? <laughs> Oh, I don't know. I was going to say something about after Minion stuff, you won't eat a banana mm. after seeing some of those. Um, <laughs> no, just that the it's it's a little out of character for Elliot pointed out that the Doctor is one of those, well, somewhat effeminate Vincent Price uh, evil yeah. villain professors who then 
uh, during his broadcasting moment is using coarse, vulgar language, seemed a little bit out of character for a character we barely know. Yeah. Yes, if they've they've established very little about him, but what they have established clashes with this. Well, maybe yeah. maybe the whole the whole thing is he's all about uh, public perception, and maybe the whole like a feat uh, like evil scientist thing is all an act. Like that, he's actually not the high like the cultured man of science that he wants people to think he is, he's actually like a guttered piece of gutter born trash, you know? Much like much like how a lot of Hollywood's first generation had to, you know, had to come from came from very humble backgrounds, very incredibly working class or mm -hmm. poverty stricken stock, mm -hmm. and had to remake themselves as kind of moguls of this new dream factory. You're right. Uh, once again, Stuart, you put your your finger mm -hmm. on how the Munsters, courtesy of Rob Zombie, is such an exploration of the way that uh, the way that Jewish Americans have had to navigate the uh, the cross currents of American history and culture. So yeah, I have to give it. I guess. Two two dreidels up. I guess that's two my. Uh, I, guess, I guess that's my rating for the movie. And I feel like Stuart, you might know what is Rob Zombie's actual last name. I don't know. Wow. Uh, although I appreciate that you think research. I'm a cool dude who knows a lot about Rob Zombie. <laughs> I'm looking, uh, who up, is, I'm looking again, it up right now. His name is a filmmaker. Rob, I'm not mad at right now. His uh, his Rob his name Cohen. is Robert Cummings. So okay. it mm, all goes back to minion jizz. Okay. Uh, <laughs> oh, I don't like that at all. Return to the monsters. Uh, I, I don't know whether there's a time jump here or or what, because it seems all of a sudden that Herman has become a rock star, <laughs> like an established yeah. star. Because Lily goes down uh, out on the town to Zombie a Go Go, where mm -hmm. Herman. It's a pretty small club. I don't know if he's that if he's as huge a star as he thinks. But it's, not, I, it's like you know, there's no indication of any time having lapsed, and now he's headlining this club. Um, but he's playing. Yeah, it all goes back to like, uh, like, uh, like learning the the space between the panels. You know, like mm -hmm. how much time mm -hmm. passes mm -hmm. between yeah. that stuff. Sounds like Scott like, McCloud would really be able to explain this time jump. To I, yeah, Dan, sounds like someone's got to go back to his understanding comics. Uh, right? Yeah, I think that the filmmaker Rob Zombie has not really made it clear that there's a time. Uh, it's a poor, it's a poor craftsman who blames his tools, Dan. He's the craftsman. <laughs> I'm the viewer. <laughs> I think mm, it's this, the, this is not his podcast. The uh, you know those transitional wipes could be signifying the passage of time, or it could just be ooh look it's an axe, ooh look it's a bat uh -huh. to get you. Oh, from it's kind of like to the next. it's kind of like how on uh, on that show Bad Sisters they use a different transition to represent when they shift before JP dies or after JP dies. I but guess that's a like very home clear transition, uh -huh. unlike these. Uh, uh, so this uh, uh, is more yeah. like the scene transitions on home improvement when they got increasingly baroque and mm -hmm. and strange and they'd have animated elements in them where you were like is that part of is that something that just happened or is, like is there really a snake on the set or is that just an animated transition oh okay it's just an animated transition is Tim really Taylor the one is Tim Taylor the one going oh in real uh -huh. time or is that, <laughs> yeah, is that an accompaniment else? of the video graphic or do they have a caveman off camera just doing that into a microphone <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, uh, but Dan you're right it's 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 disorienting this it's a disorienting movie, and the movie kind of since there's no real plot, it kind of picks up things yeah. and puts them down again. So and it's We're, shot at off kilter angles, so it leaves you feeling yeah. almost like you're uh, awash in a sea of strangeness. Mm -hmm. Regardless <laughs> of the passage of time, this is my favorite sequence in the movie when it's yeah, Herman it's Munster and the punk rods doing comedy music performance 
to a very small audience, but we know they have pressed a vinyl yeah. and we are under the impression that this has reached some kind of an audience to the point that Lily shows up as uh, a potential groupie yeah. for Herman yeah. Monster. Well, and, yeah. and you know, it's a small audience, but you know every one of those monsters went out and started a novelty group. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, I've been trying to get to, uh, for quite some time, a small, Funky town? a small detail that delighted me, which is when Lily oh. enters Zombie Go Go, the bouncer is an old clanky 50s-style robot <laughs> who pulls back <laughs> the— Who later goes on to officiate their yeah. wedding. I, yeah. I wanted to ask if that if we're supposed to believe that is the same clunky 1950s robot. I didn't— It's certainly the same costume. Yeah, it's definitely— Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, maybe they're a mass-produced robot, so it could be different robots, yep. but it's That's the same point. design. Very possible, yeah. Also, downtown Transylvania has a lot of neon signs, and Audrey pointed out that this would be, in a normal type of this movie, like a good opportunity for like puns or jokes on the signs, but they just say, like, massage parlor or whatever. They don't <laughs> do anything with it. Yeah. Um, but anyway. Uh, yeah, th that's what this movie needs more of is puns. <laughs> uh, Zoya owns this club for some reason. We don't, don't, Not really important. It's just a way to have her also in the scene and plot more with Lester the Wolfman, who you know, tells him she ha he has two weeks to get the castle. Uh, backstage, Herman and uh, I'm just gonna call him Hurley <laughs> from Lost yeah. are, are are in shiny like rock star clothes, which is part of why I was yeah. like, okay, I guess this is later because <laughs> they've already hit the point in success where they're yeah, they made it big, yeah, they're really peacocking. They've uh, gotten their shiny clothes license. Although I, one of the things I kind of like about this is it it does feel like a commitment to the bit that an old sitcom might make, where they're like. We're going to be rock stars. Next scene, already have all their rock star clothes. Yeah, there are, and and Hurley's already like pushing Herman's career. And yes, um, for all I know, and I, again, we didn't we we established earlier in the podcast that we don't remember any storylines of the Monsters show. This could very well be playing off of an episode of the Monsters where he becomes a rock star. Like the show well, the came out the in the early sixties, and the you know. costume is absolutely from Monster Go Home, where he races. Oh. Uh, race car and wears some of that get up with the goggles yeah. on top oh, of the leather okay. jacket. And to research for the show, I watched two episodes of The Monsters last night. Wow. And I was like, if I'm going to wow. watch it, I'm finally going to watch the episode with the Standells, 60s uh, garage band, who rather than stay at a hotel, the Standells decide, we need to stay at a mansion, like that spooky mansion in town. <laughs> uh, but there is a rock and roll band episode of The Monsters that does not involve Herman being in the band. But after the band performs, they invite Herman up to recite some beat poetry. Oh. Um, which is the closest we get, I think, in the original series, or at least in the first season, of Herman becoming a front man for we, a rock I group. I love that. I love that the show exists during that time period when there was not really much of an understanding of beatniks and rockers being different, and yeah. it was just yeah, like it was all under one umbrella. Weird youth culture. I guess. I guess they they do spoken word poetry, and also they play those electric guitars. <laughs> and Peter now Bag's going to be able to draw both of them as caricatures. <laughs> It's, there's something very Bob Hope pretending to be a Beatle about that, you know? <laughs> um, well, curiously, the Standells play a cover of I Want to Hold Your Hand. So oh, wow. it even extends even further. But Dan, would you please get us back to the story oh, thank you. recap? Uh, well, what happens now is that uh, Lester points uh, Lily back to Herman. Uh, and uh, he also reacts to her with a bunch of cartoon hearts, love at first sight. 
Uh, she invites. It's a very, it's a very cute scene. Yeah. of them each trying to of uh, flirting with each other, and he's trying to play it cool, and he'll close the door, and then you'll hear him off behind the door, like saying, "Oh goody, oh geez, oh gosh." And I gotta say, we haven't mentioned this. So the actor who plays Herman Munster is, it's like Jeff Daniel Phillips or something. I, I don't, I don't have it in front of me, but like. Again, Jeff I Daniel think, Phillips, you got it I right. Think this is you, another so you, so you one get hundred casting points for this episode. Yeah, I'm I'm amazing. So he, not only does he look a lot like Fred Gwynn, but his like he pitches his performance at the right level. I agree. Like he does, he has a big performance. His face is super uh, emotive. I think he does a great job. I think he captures, and he looks great with his giant suit on. He captures some <laughs> of like the Fred Gwynn vibe without doing a direct impression, and mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think he does a terrific job. I, I think that our three primaries are all very good in the movie. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, and and the little scene where he keeps ducking back out of sight to to freak out while the camera stays out with Sherry Moon Zombie, who can hear everything, is one of the parts in the movie where the it comes closest to working there there's there's some stuff in here super cute yeah that's that's sweet and fun but um so she invites him over for dinner uh we get a little bit where they're each worried about like you know he's worried he has to be like a cool entertainment rock star guy and she's worried that she's not gonna be cool enough for him like that's the sort of thing that in another movie would like set up something. It doesn't here. No, no, it Which doesn't. Everything's admit, fine. And, and I'm relieved. And I hate the, that kind of thing, but well, and also Lily's dad clearly doesn't like him, and that sets up I think two other scenes, and then that's it. Yeah, like at a certain point, there that any sort of rivalry between the two of them is dropped. Also, yes, there's also uh, during when Herman goes over for dinner, he's outside after. <clears throat> After having butted heads with, we keep calling him grandpa. He's not a grandpa yet. He's the mm. count. That's but true. For simplicity's sake, we're going to keep calling him grandpa. Herman yep. butts heads with grandpa. <laughs> You're right, though. He is just a dad at this yeah. point. Yeah, yeah thanks for dad. keeping us honest. You just forestalled us getting a bunch of Pinocchios in the in Washington Post. So I really appreciate that. <laughs> but uh, Herman says to her, I, I swear I'm going to devote my life to winning over grandpa. And that... You know that a lot of attention is given to this moment, and it's in the next scene. It's completely yeah. abandoned. We, and I we love that, give up on that quest. Yeah, like you say, it doesn't. There's no payoff to that. And also, no. you're right. He's not called. He shouldn't be called Grandpa yeah. yet. Like, and they. I know. And the character he's known as Grandpa in the show, Al Lewis, who played him legally, had tried to have his name on the ballot for the mayor of New York as Grandpa Al Party. Lewis because that's what he would call himself. Um, but you're now, right. It's, it's funny when everyone knows the character's grandpa, but he's not that yet. I mean, yeah. I don't. I, I I I hate to potentially dogpile on a bad character, but there's a chance that his son Lester might have an illegitimate child, and that's why they call him grandpa. I mean, or a legitimate child. Or we don't know anything child. about Lester. Yeah, we don't I don't know think anyone in Lester. the movie yeah, calls him grandpa. I think we were called him grandpa. In the movie, they call oh, him oh. the count. Oh, I thought you said that Herman called him grandpa. No, I was misspeaking. I was, oh, okay. then I, I was paraphrasing. You know, you know what, guys? I think. I, I think I need, need to, to watch the movie again. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I think you need to we'll check if it's the third or fourth time. Just, yeah. uh, we can just it fire it up on your phone, throw the subtitles if everyone on. everyone can and- pause, I will come back in an hour and 49 minutes. <laughs> mm-hmm. And mm. we'll drop okay. it in. Brisk. We're back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they never call him, they never call oh, him good, Grandpa. Good, good. Then, I, then I owe an apology to everyone 
in behind the making of the Munsters 2022. I was misled. I, I'm sorry. Uh, and I hope we can put this behind us and we can continue to have our original relationship. Uh, you as a subject of mockery for me on a podcast well, after I tolerated mm. watching you uh, when I could have been diving into this trove of I Czech guess, films that I just found online that I'm very excited about I guess watching. Uh, since Elliot's apologizing, I should pull up that uh, that article about what to do when your podcast co-host gets canceled. <laughs> uh, <laughs> of all the things I was going to get canceled for, it wasn't, wasn't any of the— wasn't expecting to be this one, it so I'll have to go the, to subparagraph D. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't any of the Jewish jokes earlier, but it was me getting mad at the movie Guys, about all, something it hadn't all, done. all evidence to the contrary. We were only halfway through the Munster. <laughs> Oh, so God. Let's, oh, oh wow! Not, wow! <laughs> let's say a little more. Folks. But 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 here's where the plot really kicks in. Right? Uh, yeah. Well, as as mentioned, Grandpa's <laughs> unimpressed by Herman. Uh, there's a lot of cartoon umpa background music underlining everything. Um, and uh, there's a romantic stroll between Herman and Lily, which leads directly into them singing "I Got You, Babe," a montage of. Falling in love with stuff like, and, and they and then they're dressed as Sonny and Cher eventually. Yeah, mm -hmm. they, Lily gets a tattoo of Herman's face. They have a a drink with two straws, and he, rats and bats. Soda and he shark. gets a tattoo and cries, which was very funny. He yeah. got her name tattooed, and then she got like a super like hyper realistic portrait of mm -hmm. him, and she's fine. Uh, and were you guys also like me? Waiting for the moment when their version of I Got You Babe would turn into like a monster parody of I Got You uh -huh. Babe and not just be or like the a song. Punk rock. Uh, beatnik. Yes, yeah. some, t but it, but it's just the song. Yeah. It's just a straightforward song, right? There's no. I kept waiting for them to be like, they say our bats can't pay the rent. Before you know it, the blood has Elliot, all been sucked. The, but they don't do that. At this point, I had given up on <laughs> the monsters <laughs> jokes, trying to be funny, um, like fulfilling their premise of doing monster versions of things. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of how Grandpa's dislike of Herman goes nowhere, he's like the future Grandpa. Yeah. Again, we're just going to call him Grandpa. We don't need to. <laughs> I don't know why this became an issue. Everyone knows he's, him as Grandpa. We should, as, as Kevin McClure, he should be called The Count, last name unknown. Yeah, Because we don't know no, what he's the Count. No, we do know his we last do. name because they say his last name at the wedding ceremony. Oh, they do. Yeah. That's right. What was they it? Do. Can you watch the movie the again? Robot. If everybody could just pause for an hour <laughs> and 49 okay. minutes, I will be back <laughs> with this information. Um. So, uh, I'm I, guys. I'm back. I don't know why I didn't skip ahead through Netflix <laughs> and just scene. go right ahead. I watched the entire movie again, and unfortunately, yeah. I went to the bathroom during the wedding scene, so I don't. Uh, I didn't find yeah. out. No, no, but I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure they do say her yeah, they say. name. Um, okay. So, because on Wikipedia, his the original character is just called Count Sam Dracula, which I think is funny. That his first name Sam. There's it. a lot of back and forth. I'm not going to do it in direct actual movie order because it's easier to just okay. thematically lump some things because as we pointed out, Grandpa's uh, dislike of Herman doesn't really go much of anywhere because he's like, oh, we got to get rid of him. I'm going to come up with this husband spell. I'm going to conjure a perfect husband for Lily instead. And he does the spell wrong and he gets like he gets this dancing cowboy chimp man. And then that's just mm -hmm. dropped <laughs> like that. Like it's really... <laughs> One scene of that. Uh, it's a throw. It's a throwaway scene. It's a real. But because the movie is so, so all over the place, you don't know if this is like okay. Is this a character that's coming back? Is this setting up yeah, something? Oh no, it's, it's not. not. It's just you know, a throwaway I, joke. when when I was looking at Monsters episodes last night, there I did. I didn't end up watching this one, but uh, there's an episode where Grandpa in the sitcom, mm. his name's Grandpa, oh, thank make you. takes a frog. <laughs> 
to create a suitor mm. for cousin Marilyn because mm-hmm. they feel like she's so she's hideous, yeah. plain and hideous. She's never going to find a man. So they create, Grandpa cre- casts a spell to create a suitor for her. So I wonder if that is, if that sequence in the movie that goes nowhere is a little, is a little something for the fans, a little fan yeah. service. Yeah. Yeah. A little Easter egg. Yeah. Or they would, they would call it a, they called a beaster egg. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's creepy monsters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, and the and the the misapprehension in that scene. The reason he ends up with a monkey man is because he thinks he has Tarzan's hair, but he actually has Cheetah's hair. Mm-hmm. Cheetah, of course, being the chimp from Tarzan. And I guarantee you, if I'd watched that with my kids, they would have no idea what that yeah. joke means. They wouldn't understand the reference. They would think he's talking about a cheetah, mm-hmm. the animal. I'm going to stop you right there. Most times, when there's jokes and references in a movie, kids don't care. Yeah. If it's if That's the line true. is delivered like a joke, they will think it's funny. That's well, very but true. I will, they just like the, the, the say, rhythm like, of it. I did understand the reference. And I was like, hmm, okay. <laughs> like, yeah. That was my reaction. So oh, you, you didn't have to go to the emergency room because your sides had split. <laughs> yeah. They had to put my stuffing back in and sew me up. You're, you're, not, in, you're not in behavioral therapy to get yourself from sla- stopping to slapping your knees all the time because, because the joke was so funny. Yeah. Um, so meanwhile, the doctor has returned from Leper Island where he was on vacation apparently. And I was like, did I miss the setup for this? I don't know. But he's got leprosy now. That doesn't really figure into anything. Um, uh, meanwhile, uh, Herman and Lily have gotten engaged on a, on a beach, uh, which causes grandpa to faint. Uh, we cut directly to a coffin, but of course, because it's, you know, a vampire, he, he didn't die out of, out of shock. He's just going to the wedding. It's a wedding coffin. Um, mm-hmm. Lester shows up to the wedding, introduces himself to Herman. Makes sense. He's the brother of the bride. Yeah. Why not invite him? He's like, yeah. Hey, I pointed Lily, your way, which is really like he really literally just said, "Oh, he's she's down. He's down the hall." So he didn't really do much in their love connection. But this is enough for Herman to sign uh, a contract that he's given, him. and he uses some other manipulative techniques. Yeah, he's, I mean, Herman is also not the brightest <coughs> bulb. Yes, uh, well-meaning, very sweet, not the smartest. Here's I'm not. And a, what a fucking body on this guy, mm-hmm. right? Oh yeah, it's shaped like an exclamation point. <laughs> yeah, sure. I, I'm not a I'm not a property rights lawyer. Yeah. Uh, but it seems like if a if an old man, for the purposes of ease, let's call him Grandpa, yeah. owns a castle, uh-huh. and his daughter marries a man, and they're not even really married yet because they haven't had the ceremony yeah. yet, uh-huh. right? Yep. Mm-hmm. That if he signs the contract, it does not transfer ownership of the castle. Like that, the the mm, castle is yeah. not Allie, just general family property that, Rob that any member of the family can sign. The monsters is not does not reflect. Uh, real estate law as it exists in in real life. Uh, certainly, American real estate. <laughs> law. That's you know, that's you're right. This is happening in Transylvania between monsters. It's possible the laws are different, mm-hmm. uh, and that you can marry into a family that's giving you, I guess, equal say over what happens to the property of the parents of that family. But yeah, I'm just saying the monsters. It's interesting that put it in the goofs. Yeah. It's interesting that Herman's signature holds more weight than Lester, who's actually blood relative. That's a good yeah. point. I don't know why why Lester would be, maybe maybe there's a scene that was cut where the count gives Herman power of attorney. <laughs> True, <laughs> yeah. Like for some reason. Uh, yeah, but just you, just Yeah, let's okay, let's go on, Dan. So Herman, I, I don't want to hold you up. Yeah, sorry Dan, I know we're not here to have fun. We're here to get through the plot of the monsters <laughs> as efficiently as possible. Yep, <laughs> look, I was the one who, who I, in the I past forgot we're recording the, the Monsters Minute. That people listen for the <laughs> People listen for the bits, but again, we're 
But again, there's an un, there's an unserved audience out there that just wants that has a test on the monsters movie 50, tomorrow and does not have time to watch 50 it. Fifty some minutes into this podcast, and the, we're still got a lot of ways to go. That's all. <laughs> we can skip huge chunks, and it won't hurt. Yeah, this podcast. yeah. I, I bet Dan, you could skip their entire honeymoon in Paris, and I don't think anyone would be like, "Wait, but what?" <laughs> but happened? that's where they find the monster. That is pet. where they find Spot, their pet. Yeah, sure. Yeah. You know, well, we got to point out the third Daniel Roebuck character is. <laughs> I'm just asking Frenchman for a li- at cafe. <laughs> just a little bit of air to get through it. I'm not saying don't have fun, guys. <laughs> I'm saying. Let's be judicious with it. Um, You're right. It's the Munsters, not the Funsters. Let's yeah, take yeah, this let's seriously. Let's file this podcast under educational. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I just want to um, place a special request to the editor that when Dan says we need a little bit of air, that you play a loud fart sound effect. Oh. Thank you. Uh, yeah, yeah, perfect. I thought you were, you were going <laughs> to... You play then, can a you, little bit of moon safari through, <laughs> when I ask yeah, 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 sexy boy or yeah, something. Yeah. And, then, and then, Alex, could you look through the entire archives for any time Dan says, ah, I needed to do that, and then and put that in after the fart sound effect. That'd be great. Mm, okay. Um, so anyway, uh, the two of them get married. with the. Ro- I have in my notes, with the robot question mark bouncer as the officiant. Uh, the doctor's mm-hmm. happy. Mm-hmm. That he's married off his 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 <laughs> built son, saying he's grandpa's problem now. Which I don't. Herman seems like a sweetheart. I don't know why everyone's. I thought that was I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. But and the, and the ceremony goes off with the only hitch being that the robot briefly bursts into flames. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they see Lester while they're driving away, and Lily's like, "I hope you didn't get in a business scheme with him." I'd hate to think I'd married a blockhead. And Herman's <laughs> like, "Ooh." And uh, so we cut to. Zoya and Lester. Zoya celebrates her, you know, grift working out, and there's a montage. And we find out the we find out the reason is because she is Grandpa's, or the man who will someday be known as Grandpa. <laughs> the man who would be Grandpa. Yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> is, that she is his ex-wife, and that she uh, is vindictive, and this was all a scheme to get. Well, back but also, if she's just actually, like, it seems like again, she has more of a legal claim to part of the castle than. Than Herman. Than Herman. <laughs> yeah, his his daughter's fiance. Yeah. Anyway, uh, they have a uh, they have their honeymoon in Paris. There's a montage. They walk into a cafe where everyone's terrified of them. And when the mime has a heart attack, he and dies. He mimes having his heart pulled out, but right before he <laughs> falls dead. And uh-huh. I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, they explore the catacombs where Herman r- wrestles a rubber sort of gargoyle dragon, and that's their pet now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the show, you would just in the old show, you just see his tail. Yeah, uh huh. Yeah, I, I I was like, still good, liked it all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, having not really watched the show, I'm like, why is this in the movie? What is this? Why is this here? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, I, I guess you could say the Monsters movie doesn't really stand alone on its own as a, as a, as a piece of storytelling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you kind of need a little bit of a grounding in the in the television show. And the important thing of this Paris scene is it establishes that normal people find the Monsters hideous. Possibly terrifying to the point of dying. Yes. Uh, and the <laughs> monsters find regular uh, non-Transylvanians to be horrifying to look at as well. Yes. It's, they, they, apparently they've never – this is the first time the movie leaves Transylvania. Uh-huh. And, yeah, and uh, yeah, we learn that it's a real clash of cultures between monsters and let's just call them – Nonsters. Mm-hmm. Yep. They're not monsters. So they're non From now on, we'll refer to non-monsters as nonsters. As nonsters, mm-hmm. yeah. Also in our daily life. Yes, ideally. Yeah, yeah. That's this, the only way it'll it'll stick. Yeah. Uh, Grandpa learns 
that he's losing the castle. He goes to Paris to tell them the news to get mad at Herman. They decide to lawyer up. Their hotel room is huge. They've got an amazing hotel room. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Uh, The lawyer who is in jail in German for some reason says that they're screwed. Uh, Meanwhile, Herman is watching a TV show uh, called Zombo. (laughs) Uh, And uh, it's just like a monster running around. He's like, Zombo, Zombo, Zombo. I'm not really sure what the show is. He's he's like watching Adult Swim or (laughs) something. (laughs) At first, I I assumed it was kind of like a Zachary kind of like Goulardi type takeoff. But then I'm not sure because he's not. I'm I'm pretty sure that's something. It's a nod to a. A single episode of the original series. <laughs> it's kind of probably. It's so funny. I love because- that even even that stuff. Diehard monster fans are like, what? What the hell is up with that? Guy? <laughs> like that was, was for you. Yeah, that was for you, <laughs> monsters fans. My God, it's like it was in get one the, episode. Get out of the house every now and then. Yeah, it's one of these. It just shows how important frame of reference is, and like I should own up to the. It's like if this was a Simpsons movie or a news radio movie, and they did a. A joke about one single episode, I'd be like, ha ha, that's brilliant. I remember it. And it's just that I don't know. Yeah. The monsters did not penetrate in my yeah. consciousness the same yeah. way. So, Rob Zombie, like, do what like you're going to do. It's like when my wife know? is watching The Gilded Age with me and they make a reference to up and coming architect uh, Stanford White. And she's like, oh my God, that's so funny, up and coming. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, what? <laughs> uh, <laughs> who shot who now? What? <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Herman C. Zombo, who... <laughs> now, if the Munsters movie had a joke about upcoming architect Stanford White, Dan would be like, what time is this taking place in? <laughs> they have TVs, but Stanford White is still a young man? Uh, Zombo has a line about where he claims to be the most handsome man in Hollywood, which is, like, clearly a joke in the context of the show, but Herman's like, that guy's a seven at best. I'm I'm a ten. We should go to Hollywood. It's pretty, it's pretty funny. to California, and finally we have the premise of the Munsters, and this is like the movie. And how far is this into the movie? Well, the movie like an hour is and like 10 minutes? an hour and 50 minutes long. I would say that this happens about 30 minutes from the end. And a normal film, I think, would have flipped the p- proportions of things. Like all of the stuff <laughs> up until now would have taken 30 mm-hmm. minutes. And then the rest of the movie. Uh, again, Rob Zombie's interests. I, I, I do find the stuff before they actually our fish out of water funnier and more interesting and more colorful than the rest of the movie, but it's a weird. And I'm sure he was, I think you're probably right that he was probably more interested in that stuff too. Like, Oh, we can live in this weird Transylvania where there's all sorts of crazy characters and gross masks and, and creepy buildings with neon lights. And he's putting off as long as possible when they have to actually get to mockingbird lane and it's just houses. Uh, but, and I, I think also a typical movie of the monsters would have started with Herman's voiceover saying, Forget everything you thought you knew <laughs> about Herman Munster. <laughs> Done. Easy. I mean, they'd, they'd, sh- they'd show up at the house, they'd show up at the house, and you go, er, seems like a place we wouldn't really live. Uh, you're probably wondering how we got yeah. there. Well, let's go back a little <laughs> bit. You you know? But I mean, yeah, I can't stress thing. enough, I can't stress enough how happy I am that this movie is not like a dark, serious take on the fucking monsters. Yeah. Yeah, which well, that I think was is 13, what people 13, 13 Mockingbird Lane on NBC a couple of years ago with oh, Eddie, right. Eddie Azard and um, that was a Brian Fern from Fuller Stand By Me show, right? He was behind I forgot it. they did do a dark take on the monsters, which, I mean, as much as I, as it's one of those things where, this is me being a hypocrite again. When I was a kid, I was like, I don't want my monsters silly, I want them scary. When they announced that, I was like, well, if you're going to do the monsters, why That's make them the scary? Thing. Like, then they're just the original characters. Yeah. <laughs> just if you're gonna be the monsters, do them silly at least. So like, I, I feel like you do have to give Rob Zombie credit for being like, what are the monsters? The monsters are goofy. So that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna make a silly thing as yeah. opposed to 
time to take time to take this thing for kids and make it totally scarifying and gross, you know. Yeah, where they I don't know, say fuck up on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the same what he did was they took old episodes of the monsters and all they did was they dubbed in swear words <laughs> um okay let's get back to the they call a real estate woman played by elvira herself cassandra peterson to facilitate their move mm-hmm. um she says pardon me she's got a house for them uh they're they get on the plane this late in the movie we do not need to see them on the plane to america we can just go to america <laughs> But we have no, a whole bit where to- they're bumped up to first class because the 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 flight attendant was so scared of them and then, like, jumps off the plane and parachutes out uh, because of uh-huh. it. And Herman Which gets wasted on Shirley Temples. Yeah. Air Transylvania presumably caters to Transylvanians, <laughs> and this is a village that is filled with goblins and witches and monsters, so you uh-huh. would think— yep. Air Transylvania would not be surprised when somebody who looked like Herman, his wife, and his father-in-law get on the plane. Yeah. Yes. That even even the flight attendants might be monsters themselves. That you but, would uh, think. But no, apparently, air, apparently, Air Transylvania only deals with, I guess, tech workers who have yeah. moved to Transylvania because they can work from anywhere and the rents are low, and so it yeah. shuttles them back and forth between Transylvania and San Francisco, and they're not used to the yeah. locals. You know? Yeah, mainly right. cargo and freight, but they, they just recently started doing uh, passenger service. <laughs> you know, service. that's the yeah. best exclamation. Yeah. <laughs> just, this is their first passenger flight ever. Yeah. And I, I, I didn't mention the plot point that uh, Cassandra Peterson is like, hey, uh, apologies, you know, you're arriving on Halloween. I'm going to look a little weird when you show up. And, you know, this is all to just delay the moment at which the monsters see that normal humans are surrounding them and not Transylvanian-style monsters. But, you know, they go to the real estate office. She's dressed as a witch. Uh, There's an animated montage of them driving to Mockingbird Heights uh, where kids are out trick-or-treating. And this this was – this seems – it was like, wait, is – was this meant to be like the opening credit sequence at one point? Mm. Like Dan's version of the movie where there's not that much time in Transylvania and the rest of it is them getting to know their neighborhood. Like there's otherwise it's very strange for the movie just to turn to animation for them driving around Hollywood. And I wonder if it was like a solution to the budget not allowing them to drive around actual Hollywood in costume or if it was like – because it feels like suddenly the t- the credit sequence is about to start, and we're I think twenty minutes from the end. But of I think movie. it's also the. I mean, I think it w- it's like super stylized. Yes. Or like I think that's the point. It does fit in with that kind of like googie. Yeah. Type of, type you throw of, in some fucking like surf rock in the yeah. background. It's exactly what and they want. This is around the time too where I started wondering again, what is it about kind of like goth and rockabilly stuff that dove seems to dovetail so much in people's minds? Like that if it's like I love I love gross old things and I love monsters and I love Satan but you know what I also love is early rock and roll very early rock and roll yeah like it's I think it's the center of that Venn diagram sideburns (laughs) 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 yeah what did they have in the 19th century and in the 1950s you're right yeah oh that makes a lot of sense yeah uh I mean I I mean I get what you're saying that you know like 20 minutes before the end to like introduce a new element is a little weird but Rob Zombie, like, in the trivia for this, like, said, like, oh, I saw the characters. I thought, you know, I wanted to place them in this cartoon world. Like, that's why everything looks so stylized in a particular I mean, that way. Make, that makes sense. I mean, it could also be like when they asked Orson Welles for Susan Kane why that parrot screeches. 
right before the last scenes, and he's like, it's a long movie. Wake up the audience. Yeah. They're starting to fall asleep. Like, this could be a little bit of that. Like, give the audience a little shot in the arm because yeah. you've been watching monsters bumbling around <laughs> without a plot for over an hour yeah. now. But uh, so they go there. Even if even if you're on your second or third viewing, <laughs> <laughs> you're falling asleep. <laughs> and it still takes you by surprise. Um, yeah. They, you know, the, the Cassandra Peterson wants to sell them, you know, a normal house, but there's a broken down house, like the Munsters home from like, it looks like this home from the series. Like literally. Yeah. It's literally. That. Uh, they're like, we want that one. Um, and they're, they're like, don't try and, you know, finagle us into buying this shitty house up here. And she's like, mm-hmm. sold. No, take the house. <laughs> um, and then cut to them inside the house, a little despondent because they're now broke, presumably from buying this broken down house. Uh, even though they're happy, a broke down palace, if you will, right before. So, <laughs> yeah. but uh, Herman's like, I, but it feels like a loaded moment when they're sitting on the couch and grandpa says, I'm the count says now what? Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like that's where they're at in the screenplay. Like, uh, what do we do now? Yeah. What, yeah. This, is the, <laughs> this is the voice of the screenwriter speaking through his character. Well, luckily, it's a yeah. race to the end from this point. Like, <laughs> it's a block party. Yeah. A series of solutions present themselves um, because uh, they hear screaming from outside. They discover that there's a Halloween rave taking place, what looks like yeah. in their front yard. Uh, they party with their neighbors for a while. Uh, and They're in the, like a cul-de-sac. Yeah, yeah, the monsters win the costume contest, but not the movie cul-de-sac. Is that a movie? It is a it's a Roman mm-hmm. Polanski movie, but that's not this one. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. Why do you bring that up because on this podcast? Well, also, also right now, know. why would one bring that up so close <laughs> to the ending? Uh, the monsters. Yeah, that's a good point. Win the costume. I think I think I I think it has something to do with the schizophrenic free association that my brain <laughs> just goes yeah. into, and I can't really control it. Oh, yeah. that's too bad. Have you? You should. I mean, you could talk to a professional about that, maybe. Mm. Mm, I probably but that should. might hurt the podcast. Why would yeah, I talk to Lee on the professional? Don't kill the golden sort of thing Stewart. again. Free Association. I don't know why. Uh, I don't know why I'm free associating particularly to movies directed by pedophiles, but still. (laughs) Why? The (laughs) monsters win the costume contest. They get a giant novelty check for $1,500, which would be big money whenever this movie is taking place. (laughs) (laughs) And and you and and is this is that before or after the singing morticians? Well, Grandpa, while they're on stage, Grandpa's like my idiot. Uh, son-in-law needs a job and then the singing morticians from the local funeral parlor offer him work right away so i guess that Uh problem's fixed uh next morning (laughs) breakfast herman's gonna go to work he goes out the door he's horrified by how pretty and normal everything looks and how friendly all the neighbors are um there's like they're all they're they're all hideous monsters in this cul-de-sac and uh grandpa and lily are also shocked but lily scolds them for judging these horrific monsters for their uh clean cut appearance and then <laughs> wolfman x machina lester shows up at their door <laughs> everyone's mad at him but he says look i made a killing in vegas for the money i got from the castle i'm here to give you your cut gives herman a check to cut him in we don't know how much money it is but like they're all we're rich it's a it's a, it's a, it must be a lot yeah. because suddenly they're they say they're rich they laugh it's for certainly a, more than fifteen hundred dollars really long time as a shaky <laughs> slow-mo cam <laughs> circles them i, I kind of wish they'd say why is this check so small 
The Americans had given us a check last night that was enormous. Yeah. We assumed yeah. that is the standard issue of American currency banknotes. Proportionally, notes. and this, the amount of money here is much more on that one. So proportionally, it should be an enormous check. Yeah. yeah. And with all their problems solved, we cut to black and white. We finally get the Munsters theme as the yep. three main characters, uh, you know, take a curtain call, exiting the house, and we get some animated credits, and that's it. That's the monsters. Right. That's Rob Zombie's the monsters. <laughs> well, the idea that Rob Zombie's like the movie has to take them right up to the very moment that the pilot for the monsters yeah. starts. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. It's the Rogue One <sighs> of the movies. <laughs> Uh, the Rogue One of movies. <laughs> movies. Wait, ro- but Rogue One is a movie. Hold on a so second. So wait, did I did I say something wrong? Mm, could be. No, I'm probably right. <laughs> no, it's the children who so are that wrong. That doesn't check out. <laughs> Dan, great job summarizing. That was a tough one because there's no, it's, there's very little plot. Uh-huh. All, yeah. Um, we should probably go right into those final What's your final judgments? judgments? Whether this is a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, or a movie kind of like... I'm going to kick it off by saying I think this is a bad, bad movie. Like the, the the major problem with it is that Rob Zombie, while a talented filmmaker in some ways, appears to have no feeling for comedy. Like the pacing is leaden. The jokes in the screenplay that he co-wrote are bad even by like monster movie standards. But it's a bad, bad movie that I'd almost kind of recommend if you have, like, an interest in this kind of thing, checking a certain amount of it out, maybe, like, 45 minutes, <laughs> get a taste of I, I just want to – Dan, I, I don't want to interrupt. I just I just want to flag one thing. Mm. The, the four other co-writers that are listed on the film are the people who developed – and created the characters, I think. Oh, uh, so Rob Zombie was the, the sole writer. hand in this screenplay. Okay. So let's not let's not let Rob Zombie off easy, as though a co-writer was <laughs> ruining his script, as if Rob had all these great ideas, but then somebody else was just like, mm, "I'll just sneak in and change these yeah. jokes." Bruce, later. Va- Bruce Valance me. just smothered smothered his genius. That was not that was not what I was imagining. I was imagining that Rob Zombie maybe brought in someone who knew how to write a screenplay to help him along. I mean, there's probably an uncredited comedy yeah. writer who sure. has I'm, a lot to has, account for here. I I don't know. I like, I wish, they, I, they, I, all I can think of now is that they probably had a punch-up room for this script at some point. I would have loved to have been yeah. in that Munster's punch-up room. Hollywood, if you're doing punch-up on some dumb thing, why not invite me and Dan and Stu? Kevin, you can come too. Why yeah, not? Okay. Let, let's invite us in. We can we can come up with some, some silly jokes for your reboot of... Uh, I don't know, like uh, what's what's an old TV at Thunderbirds or something? <laughs> caveman. Yeah. You're, 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 I like you're Captain like, Caveman 2022. <laughs> I imagine being in this writer's room and them saying, "Kevin, for the last time, we cannot say monster baiting. This is a kids movie." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, to just how about monsterbation? Monster is that any better? <laughs> monsterbation, not an active verb. To 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 close it off and pass the ball, I, I would just say. Yeah, it's it's an endurance test of a movie. I wouldn't recommend actually watching it, but it has a certain charm. I will say that. Yeah, I I agree that it's not a movie I liked. I feel like I tolerated it more than I enjoyed it, and I would also call it a bad bad movie. But at the same time, it feels fairly harmless. I feel like we had a lot of fun with the mon- monsters today. Yeah, but it's if you're gonna watch, if if someone's gonna make a put their heart and soul into making a monsters prequel reboot, then they're already operating under a pretty heavy burden right, right <laughs> from the beginning. And 
I can't, you know, it's not, I don't find it particularly funny, um, but everyone's trying their hardest and there are parts that look really nice. And I, I, I just imagine what could have happened. It could have been a much worse or yeah. more uh, misbegotten movie as opposed to a movie that's just kind of like is looking for a reason to be and, and can't quite find it. Uh, guys, uh, this is officially a movie I kind of liked. What? Uh, I think, I think all the performances are pitched at the right level. Sure, the jokes aren't very good, but again, the jokes on the fucking Munsters show aren't good. Um, <laughs> so you think and, he's being more accurate and faithful to yes. the style of the original. And it looks interesting. It's clearly made with love. Uh, I mean, granted, yeah, there's no plot, really. There's no arc. There's no real conflict. Uh, it's like a weird hang of a movie. Um <laughs> And yeah, of course, it doesn't all work. Am I saying it's the best movie ever? No, but this is a movie I kind of liked. I wasn't mad at it. Uh, yeah. I like that the, the quote on the DVD box now is going to be dot, 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 the best movie ever, dot, dot, dot. Stuart yeah. Wellington, The Flophouse. Mm-hmm. And you know what? If <laughs> Hey, as long as I'm on the box, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, Kevin, what about you? How do you? Uh, I, th- you asked at the top of the show, we're finally going to pay off the question, why oh, did Kevin watch The Monsters in the first place? <laughs> Much like with uh, the the final chapter in the Halloween series, I saw so much split debate about whether The Munsters was the worst movie ever made or actually really fun. I had to know for myself. I had to find out for myself. I watched The Munsters. I wanted to meet this movie on its own terms. I didn't want the nation to be divided because we're so divided as a nation mm-hmm. in yep, so many you. ways. Yeah, I want to try to bring us together it. by understanding The Munsters. I feel like... I want to meet the movie on its own terms, and I don't know what those terms are. I don't feel like Rob Zombie has given us instruction about how to engage with this or what this is. I like, Stuart, there are parts of it that I, I actually laughed out loud at, and I, I enjoyed the, mm-hmm. the piano joke we mentioned. We mm-hmm. ruined because we really didn't give it a proper setup. Uh, but it, it has its moments. It's kind <laughs> Damn, of that's fun a note and harmless. On you, so. No, 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 no. That's, I'm, not, I'm not pointing fingers. Um, but uh, I I do admire yeah Rob Zombie as a wife guy who who yes. keeps coming up with these films. Uh, a few years ago, um, if you ever have the opportunity to go to Blob Fest in Phoenixville, Pennsylvania, it's the movie theater that the Blob attacks in the 1958 film The Blob. They show The Blob. I think the first or second weekend every July, and they have a big three-day uh, festival with lots of rockabilly music, Elliot, because they, okay, great. <laughs> they know that that speaks to all generations. Uh, <laughs> yep, bring your poodle skirt. When I was there one summer, they had just announced that Rob Zombie was going to remake The Blob, and everyone at Blobfest was pissed. <laughs> everyone at Blobfest was worried that Rob Zombie was going to ruin The Blob. And uh, then that movie never happened, for better or worse. But the the citizens of Phoenixville, Pennsylvania, are much hap- much relieved it never happened. Instead, he made the monsters, and uh, I think this might have been a better, you know, better landing ground for what he could have done next after remaking those Halloween movies. So. Um, I kind of almost liked it. Um, I can see why people do like it. I can also see why people can't stand it and turned it off after a few minutes. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit, if I w- didn't have to watch it for the podcast, I probably never would have watched it. Or if I had started watching it, I probably would have not finished it. But Rob Zombie's such a, he's like such a curious character as a film director because I feel like there's a, like I want him to develop in the way that he could develop. And he's like not, yeah doing it but i know that 
I don't know if he's still doing it. He was going to do that movie uh, based on the book Raised Eyebrows about the end of the last, you know, years or so of Groucho Marx's life. And, I, right. and after watching this movie, I'm like, I'm not sure if Rob Zombie is – I never knew if he was going to be a right good fit for that. But I'm like, I'm not sure if this movie makes me less or more interested in what yeah. he would turn that into. Well, you, know? you would you would said, Elliot, on um, the Being the Ricardos episode that Aaron Sorkin is a guy who's fascinated with the machinations of comedy with no understanding of comedy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I think there's a similar thing that Rob Zombie, when it comes to like capital C comedy, we're making a comedy, it's off the mark. But I think the funniest thing Rob Zombie ever did is in, um, is it in The Devil's Rejects where they bring in the movie expert to talk to the sheriff and he's played by a character I actor who's like, I've, 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 I've got so much I can tell you about the films of Groucho. <laughs> and it's this hilarious <laughs> scene of the police being pissed off at this movie nerd in the 1970s. <laughs> it's so funny. It's great. Um, basically, I wish Rob Zombie had made an entire <laughs> film of Marty yeah. Walker, the film critic from The Devil's Rejects. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, you never know, maybe for the for the... For the Captain Spaulding verse, maybe yeah. that'll be because yeah. clearly he's a guy who likes is interested in comedy and likes comedy. But yeah, I think he, I don't know if he's uh, if he's got the probably got, needs funny a, comes probably needs a partner or a co writer. Yeah, again, yeah. God, Rob, I know you're listening to this. You're probably a huge flop fan. Uh-huh. Just at least Just bring me into the punch up room. Bring your fucking Dragula around and Elliot <laughs> hop in, and you guys can go fucking make a movie. I mean, I know I said all that stuff about rockabilly music. You know, like I like it fine. Like it's just not. I just I always find it curious that Different that's the music strokes. that that people who want to be transgressive are drawn to because it's kind of <laughs> like a grandpa's version of rock and roll. But that's fine. You know, that's okay. <laughs> I'm sure you've noticed how giant corporations are controlling more and more about what we consume, whether it's our food, our news, or even the shows we enjoy. The Greatest Generation is a show that stands up to Big Star Trek and says no. We can laugh about costumes that fit too tightly in the groin area. We can make a Star Trek podcast that's basically only about that. The Greatest Generation. The show for free and independent thinkers about Star Trek. And the groins of different costumes. Reviewing every episode in order. So subscribe to The Greatest Generation on MaximumFun.org. You'll be doing your part in telling the Star Trek industrial complex that they can't control your mind. Hi, it's Kevin from MaxFunHQ. This year for Giving Tuesday, we're inviting you to a super fun tarot event. It's got some of your favorite Max Fun hosts, and it's for a great cause. Join Depression Mode's John Moe, Carrie Poppy of Ono, Ross, and Carrie, Stuart Wellington from The Flop House, Tom Lum from Let's Learn Everything, and Ellen Weatherford of Just the Zoo of Us. Your suggested $10 donation supports National Casa GAL and their work advocating for kids in foster care. That's this Giving Tuesday, November 29th at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Check out MaximumFun.org slash events for more information and tickets to The Tarot Show with John Moe. Hey, you know what? This podcast has sponsors. Don't don't try and claim that we don't. We, we uh, In addition to the, the support of fine listeners who have joined the Maximum Fun Network, uh, this episode is... Who we are thankful for every very day. very thankful and for. And thank you thank very you. much for your support. Uh, particularly uh, because all three of us, our day jobs are, let's say, you know, constantly under threat <laughs> because we chose unstable 
uh, careers. I mean, Stuart seemed like let's, the most stable until the, the 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 pandemic happened. So yeah, let's say let's say our careers are erratic. Yeah, very erratic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're also <laughs> sponsored in part by Lumi Labs. Erotic. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the joke I was going mm-hmm. for, but but erratic because. But if you are if you are erratically erotic, then please I'm, see a sex therapist and a real one, not one of the ones that gets you involved in a web of deceit yeah. and betrayal. Yeah, if it looks like James Spader or smells like James Spader, <laughs> mm-hmm. probably a James Spader. Yeah, we've we've entered the ad proper now. I just want like, we may, you may have you may have heard of microdosing. If you want to enjoy a colorful movie like uh, Rob Zombie's The Munsters. Maybe you want to look into Microdose Gummies, a sponsor of our show. Microdose Gummies deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. Um, yeah, look, it's no secret. I've used these gummies. I, I, I enjoy these gummies. I feel like, I don't know, I'm, a, I'm an irascible person. Sometimes they're helpful for <laughs> smoothing out those moods. Uh, if that sounds like something interesting to you, maybe... Have some microdose gummies from Lumi Labs. They're available na- nationwide, not naked wide. I mean, you could be naked while you have them. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, if you, you order them online, right? Mm-hmm. So you could you could be naked while you order them, while you try use them. You know, use responsibly and be naked responsibly. You could be naked. You can be naked. You could be naked and wide. Naked. Yeah, wide. there's all sorts of things yeah. you could do naked. Just do it in the comfort of your own home. Like once you leave the house, that's when you get into some thorny legal areas. We're we're still in the ad proper. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Dan, what was it you were saying to me and Stuart implying that you needed us to keep things on track? Microdose is available nationwide. <laughs> to learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use code FLOP to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Links can be found in the show description. But again, that's microdose.com code FLOP. Um, guys, is there anything you want to plug while we're in this zone? Uh, Kevin, we'll, we'll plug your book again at the end. But if you want to say anything about Thank it you. now, feel free. Uh, I was going to try to compare it or link it to the monsters in some mm-hmm. way as, as something that's for kids of all ages, but no, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not going to, yeah. I don't want it associated with Rob Zombie's monsters in any way. It is, um, I'm going to, I'm going to give a little spoiler for the Flophouse fans right here. I'm going to hold it. Okay. Wow. You heard book. it here first folks. But peaches. still buy the book. It's still by the book. You definitely, definitely want to get the book. You know what? I'll to take a screenshot of, of the zoom. So we'll actually... This visual stuff okay. is not wasted. You can uh, see how messy the, my room is. To the best of my knowledge, this is the first children's picture book with an appearance by Oh, oh gay get, icon the Baba Dude. <laughs> the Baba Dude shows up. <laughs> yeah, and the when, Pride Monster when, himself. When we submitted the book to the publishers, uh, Joe Dater and I, the illustrator, just assumed at some point we're gonna get an email about how you can't put the Baba into a children's <laughs> picture book. And that email never came. And Joe uh-huh. had a substitute drawing ready to go of Santa Claus with yeah. uh, Scooby-Doo instead. Uh, wow. And we never got <laughs> notified. So let's hear oh, well, it from Parody Law. The same. Yeah. And yeah. It's, Ho- it's hopefully, a- uh, hopefully Flophouse superfan Jennifer Kent isn't listening to this episode. <laughs> yeah. I hope not, but uh, I hope everyone else is <laughs> listening like, to so, it. And suddenly, if you need- suddenly, the fear of the fear dawned into Kevin's eyes. Don't worry, Jennifer Kent doesn't know who we <laughs> that are. That was one of those moments where Stewart is trying to actualize his fantasies. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's what my therapist is having me work out: is saying saying what I want out loud. You got to tell the universe. Yeah. The universe doesn't know That's how to give thing. it to you. Yeah. Well, so that book. It, how can our How can our audience find it? How can they get it? Uh, wherever books are sold, mm-hmm. which is probably online. And what's the where title you buy again? Your books, right. 
This, the book, thank you, is Santa Doesn't Need Your Help by uh-huh. Kevin Marr, illustrated by Joe yeah. Dater. It's Santa Doesn't Need Your right. Help. And uh, it was originally conceived as a short film shown at a Kevin Geeks Out show last December, uh, framed in the style of a reading rainbow video with this rudimentary <laughs> animation that was our justification for low low rent animation. And then Joe, the illustrator, is like, I'm going to show this to my agent and he's going to see if we can sell it as a book. We thought it was going to be an adult humor book, which it is. It absolutely is. Or grown-up book, not adult in a Fritz mm-hmm. the Cat kind of way. It is a, a funny, <laughs> funny satirical take on the holidays for grown-ups, but kids will like it too. So if you mm-hmm. need a gift for a child, a niece, a nephew, a son, a daughter, uh, whoever, pick up Santa Doesn't Need Your Help. It hits today. all four quadrants, just like the Munsters 2022, directed by no, Rob Zombie. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. You know, I probably should have watched the Munsters' Scary Little Christmas because that's the Munsters' uh, Christmas movie from the 90s. Yeah, with, why, don't um, we, why don't we pause the podcast? <laughs> Kevin, why don't you go right, watch pause, that guys. and come on back? <laughs> all right, I'm back. Anne Magnuson was great as Lily Munster. <laughs> no I don't know about the rest of the cast. Curiously, this film does say that the, the Munsters, Eddie, lived in Transylvania before moving to Los Angeles. So apparently Rob Zombie's playing a little fast and loose mm. with the continuity as established in the 1990s reboot, The Monsters' <laughs> Scary Little Christmas. I have to assume I have to assume that there's a big divide in the Monsters' uh, fandom over what's canon and what's not yeah. canon, you know? Uh, Definitely. Do you guys have anything or shall I move on to letters? I'd love to promote uh, two things mm-hmm. that I love to promote always. Do you have kids? Well, after you're done buying them, Santa doesn't need your help. Uh, why don't you subscribe to the Who Was podcast uh, presented by iHeartRadio, but it's available on all podcast apps. It's a podcast I co-host, and it is a quiz show for kids about historical figures. It's very silly, uh, and I think your kids will probably like it. And hey, maybe they'll even learn something. Not for kids. Don't show them this. Maniac of New York is coming back. That's right. December 7th, the first issue of Maniac of New York, Volume 3. Don't call it a comeback. Mm -hmm. The title is, yep, (laughs) Kevin's holding up Maniac of New York, Volume 1. Thank you. Uh, For the listeners. (laughs) For the listeners to to, to hear the sound of a book being held up to a microphone. Uh, Maniac of New York, don't call it a comeback. Number one. Coming out the first. Uh, <laughs> he's flipping, <laughs> he's it. flipping those pages. <laughs> he's doing it's, some ASMR here. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it's coming out December seventh. Uh, please pick up a copy uh, for the latest uh, installment in the Maniac of New York saga. Yeah, I got a quick plug. Hey, you like podcasts? Why don't you check out a podcast, the Flophouse Podcast, a podcast mm. where we talk about bad movies and make jokes. Mm-hmm. Uh, wait a minute. I think I got this confused. Okay. I thought we were doing a peach bit after dark. <laughs> no, this uh, yeah. Okay, or a peach bit after dark. Okay, my mistake. Don't listen to the floppers. <laughs> Wait, hold <laughs> I mean, I mean, do. <laughs> don't do not do that. Let's move on to letters. Don't do what Johnny Don't does. Uh, uh, we've got a special mailbag. It's all about Aline, uh, the last movie we watched. Um, some Frank, oh, okay. Francophone listeners wrote in about uh, our questions. Oh. This one's... <laughs> From so francophone allows you to call anyone named Frank, mm-hmm. right? This one's from Kristen, last name withheld, uh, who lives in Montreal, and uh, beautiful city. Kristen writes, "Hello, floppers. I was delighted to see you covering that complete mess of a film, Eileen, and I'm happy to provide at least some of the missing context as a resident of Quebec. In terms of relevance, it's dif- difficult to overstate how beloved Celine Dion is in Quebec." Princess Diana, before she died, is actually not a bad comparison. She is less beloved than the rest of Canada, but certainly considered an important and respected figure. 
Like, you could make her an ambassador somewhere, uh, and it would be a bit funny, but not very. Uh, as this movie... <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Unless she was the ambassador to the Vatican, yeah. which apparently is hilarious <laughs> yes. mm-hmm. uh, when, when French-Canadian people say it. We didn't pick up the joke. But. As this movie was actually made in France and not Quebec, it thus trades on a lot of stereotypes about French-Canadians. They speak with a like silly accent. Thing. They yeah. have too many babies. They are controlled by the church. They are tacky. Remember the bit where Elaine and her sister are cooing over an Anne Geddes calendar? That's in there to say, yes. look at these ignorant hicks. Nevertheless, this movie was a big hit here and did well in theaters. As a woman in her 40s living in Montreal, Google is convinced that I am a Celine Dion superfan and will not stop recommending <laughs> stories to me about how mad the Dions are about this film. One article quoted uh, a Dion as saying it made them look like a bunch of boujons, grunters, or hicks, which is not wrong. I think Valérie Lemercier stoked up the controversy to get more publicity for her movie since I also saw a bunch of stories where she was speculating about Celine's health and whether her family is controlling her and stuff like that. Um, I have a friend who were And how did how, how did Celine Dion's brother Dion Sanders feel about it? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. That's, uh, well, it's outside of the scope of this uh, e- email, you know, as as again, you can't Ask an email a question, have it answer you back. But we can email, email. No. I, have a, for, I have a follow up question. <laughs> doesn't, email <laughs> doesn't work like that. It's not going to work. Uh, I have a friend who refers to Celine Dion's marriage as a hashtag Me Too story with a happy ending. Not sure what it's like in France, but romances between men in their fifties and women in their late teens, early twenties are generally considered creepy and inappropriate here as well. Can't chalk this one up to cultural differences. What if what if they what if the women in their late teens, early twenties are being played by a woman in their fifties? So the age difference is almost in almost unidentifiable. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. Seems like it goes almost the other way at points. <laughs> uh, if you have any more questions about Celine Dion and her place in Quebecois culture, please ask. I will be happy to act as your official Celine Dion correspondent. Cordialement. Wow, okay, you got the job, Kristen. Uh, well. Kristen may have the job, but we also have something from Roxanne, last name withheld. Oh, I spoke oh. too soon. You mean we have a letter from Roxanne? That's a reference to a song. Yeah, you don't have to name. wear that dress. <laughs> that's today. a reference to a Steve Martin movie. <laughs> <laughs> that's a reference to Zeus and Roxanne, the story of a dolphin and a dog. <laughs> Steve who Martin was in that? <laughs> yeah, he played Zeus, I think. <laughs> oh, wow. That's the dog. <laughs> I think so. Dan? Uh, <laughs> I know that Andre Tom is Tiny. a seal. Not not Tom Tiny Lester as <laughs> Zeus. Thanks for clarifying. Uh, because nope. he was the enemy of Rip, that played by Hulk Hogan. Yeah, yeah. In the, I, remember, I remember in the Mad Magazine parody of that movie, he was called Zeus because they said he smelled like an animal. I don't remember anything about any plot of any episode of The Munsters, though. <laughs> I briefly was like, oh, I need to reset the, this is from Roxanne last name with her. Then I remembered that the whole digression was about Roxanne. So. <laughs> yeah, it was about how she's named Roxanne. <laughs> uh, hi, as a longtime listener from Quebec and a diehard Celine fan, we all have to be at birth, I was so excited to see you were doing Aline. I think the funniest thing for us about the movie is that it's obviously a French person's from France perspective on Quebec culture. The Vatican bit is probably in there because they tend to make fun of how we speak and they thought it was funny, hence why the movie was successful in France, but not so much in Quebec. I perceived it as an obvious dig at our accent, like that was the joke. Composite names are popular here, like Jean-Philippe Marc 
Olivier, etc. But the sibling's name really made me cackle out loud while watching this on the plane. I've never heard of anyone named Jean Bobin or Guy Claude. Also, the town where the family is from seems to look more like a, a colonial Nouvelle France instead of Quebec in the 20th century. And finally, Aline is clearly played by someone from France. Her QC accent goes downhill real fast. Anyway, all this oh. is to say this is not representative of French-Canadian culture. If they had shown the sex scene, I'm assuming they would have had Aline and Guy Claude playing wooden spoons on each other's bodies. Roxanne, last name withheld, I assume that's a reference that I also don't get. <laughs> and, to what, like Manon of the Spring or yeah. something? <laughs> I mean, my my get yeah. If they had, I, I'm surprised now that there wasn't a scene where they were kind of like flirtatiously eating poutine yeah. together. You know. <laughs> no, it is interesting to see how much of this movie is apparently just <laughs> France being like, look at these, <laughs> look at these colonial hicks. <laughs> yeah. I, I I love also that that went completely over our heads. Yeah. And it's something as Americans, I feel like we always need to be reminded that other countries can have relationships with each other that America is not a part of. And whenever there, it's like. It's like Sweden and Swaziland are having a diplomatic row, and I'm like, why would they even know each other? I don't understand. Like, it's it's They're, easy to forget the rest of the world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, I, but I'm 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 loving having my eyes opened to all these yeah, this nuances. Is great. Yeah. Yeah. What else you got for us, Dan? Uh, uh, no, that's it. <laughs> we're, we're, oh wow! We're done okay. with that all right. So the the, the, the journey of exploration okay, is great. is over. Yeah. yeah our okay, cultural so. exchange is ended. Uh. So uh, as a, unlike a normal. Uh, Campbell quest where it would be kind of like the first gatekeeper and the second gatekeeper and the meeting with the goddess and then eventually return home. This was uh -huh. just kind of step outside and check the weather and then go back inside again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great. Yeah, that's the hero's journey we were on. We yeah. yeah. Well, that's all I have the energy for. That's the It's the hero's, you know, sort of stroll cool. yeah, yeah. around the block. <laughs> the hero's amble. <laughs> um, okay, well, let's uh, move on to the final uh, Flophouse segment. You've all grown to know and love recommendations, movies that might be a better use of your time than uh, the monsters. Um, I'm going to recommend. I saw Ega. Um, it's a uh, it's an Indian movie by the director of RRR. Uh, Ega is okay. the so not not Ega <clears throat> the 60s not, movie about yes, a caveman yes. starring Richard. This Keel. is E E G A. There's no H at the end of this. Uh, it is the Telugu word for fly because this is a oh. this is a. <laughs> Comedy action romance movie about a man who is killed by his romantic rival and then comes back as a fly to take uh -huh. revenge to to and to continue wooing his former lost love as a fly. And oh boy, what a fun movie. Like I, I okay. did not get to see RRR in theaters. I... I still haven't seen it in general because I keep hoping that like I can make it to one of the screenings that still pops up here in New York from time to time. But um, if you're ever if you ever want a movie about a love story with a fly, a fly that by the way also like I saw someone online make a very um, smart point that if this was an American movie, they're like, okay, the guy comes back as a fly. We have to hear the fly's thoughts. No, we don't hear the fly's thoughts. The fly is a fly. The fly, like, it, it lives between, like, realistic CGI fly and cartoon fly. Uh, but it does what a fly does. 
because, uh, except for a fly who is also a human who understands human things. And like, there's a fly training montage. That's how I sold it to Audrey. When I came home, I said three words, fly training montage. It's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, you're, you're just gonna, you're just gonna enjoy it. Go out and see it. See you guys. <laughs> That's my recommendation. That sounds great. Uh, I'm going to recommend a movie I watched on the plane out to L.A. That's right. I'm recording on the road, folks, yep. sitting next to my pal Elliot Kalin here in sunny Los Angeles. Uh, yesterday, I went to Universal Studios, went on the studio tour, and there was a really great little section on Nope. It was awesome. Uh, but that's not what I'm here to recommend. I'm here to recommend other stuff, specifically a movie. A movie called The Square, directed by Ruben Ostland, who's currently got a movie in theaters right now called Triangle of Sadness. Uh, the square is kind of a, uh, well, it's long and it's kind of a skewering of, uh, of like the fine art world and also kind of, uh, like well-intentioned charity, uh, on the behalf of, uh, shallow rich people. Uh, it follows a museum curator played by Clay Spang or Clay Spang, uh, who was in, uh, uh, the Northman and also recently- Bad Sisters playing one of the biggest pieces of shit I've ever He's seen so on television. <laughs> He's like terrible. so terrible. Like within the, like it's no spoiler that this character dies, but within like two minutes of the first episode, you're like, this guy, this motherfucker needs to go. And, 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 so and as terrible. you said to me, when you were talking about it, that's before he starts doing some really wild shit. Like, yes, <laughs> he calls his wife Mammy once. And I'm like, I would chop his fucking head off. <laughs> Uh, but so he, he plays the lead in this and he is also, uh, like a piece of shit in this. Um, but there's, uh, a little more depth, I guess he's less of a comic villain. Um, and it's great. Uh, and even though it's kind of a bludgeon at times, I feel like it gives you enough, uh, it gives you enough stuff to think about, uh, but without exactly giving you a clear answer. And it also has a very crazy scene where a character, uh, is a, a, a fine arts performer is doing a, uh, like a, a performance art piece where he is a, uh, imitating a chimpanzee and it goes disastrously wrong. Uh, it's intense, uh, quite a movie. So the square, check it out. I'm going to recommend a movie too. How about that? Uh, I'm also recommending movies. I'll jump on this bandwagon. Okay. I'm going to recommend a movie from 1951. This was directed by Anthony Mann and it's a movie called the tall target. Mm. Now, you know me, I love history. I love Abraham Lincoln. I also love 50s crime thrillers. What if they could all be put together into one movie? That's right. This is finally it. This is the suspense thriller in which Dick Powell is a New York policeman who knows that there is a plot to assassinate President-elect Abraham Lincoln on the train to Washington, and he's got to find out who did, who's who's behind it and stop them so before they can uh, change the course of history, although he doesn't know how history is supposed to happen. It's 1861. He doesn't know. Uh, it's a It's a real fun movie. Uh, it moves real fast, uh, and it's got fight scenes on trains, and I love those. Uh, and it's a movie that manages to be about history without feeling kind of stuffy and without feeling, um, like, too respectful of the time. Throughout On the Train, ordinary people are constantly disagreeing about Lincoln and whether there's going to be war and if there is, whether it's good or not. And it felt— very relevant right now. Leading, you know, watching it in the in the months leading up to this most recent election, it was like people. T it, it felt like being in a place where 
you can't quite say your political opinion out loud because someone's going to argue with you and you don't know whose side everybody is on and because that's what it was like. And that's kind of what it feels like nowadays. And, and kind of how it felt like when I came into this podcast where we were talking about the monsters. <laughs> yes. I hope this is – I hope you still you felt this was a safe space to talk about your liking of the monsters. Yeah, because you guys are pretty understanding when I have an opinion you don't yeah, agree yeah. with. <laughs> I mean, not usually, but uh, the but I really enjoyed it, the tall target, and there is one moment in it that I would really like someone to sample, where uh, they stop in Baltimore, and uh, this lady, she there's a kid selling newspapers, and this lady goes, "Is it war?" And the kid goes, "No, ma'am, it's Baltimore." And the and the way that he says it, because that is so funny, and I want some Baltimore-based hip hop group to sample that at the beginning of something. I think it's a it's just a great back and forth, uh, but. Tall Target is just a fun movie in a way that historical movies sometimes aren't and yet feels kind of relevant at the same time. And there's fight scenes on trains. I don't know why you're not watching it right now. Wait, yes, I know. Because Kevin's going to recommend a movie. You know, October, you're watching a lot of scary movies, right? I I didn't. I fell behind. So I, I made up for it by watching one incredible movie, which had just somehow escaped my radar from 1981, from the director of the later Planet of the Apes films, Jay Lee Thompson, <laughs> 1981's Happy Birthday to Me. You know, the one with the shish kebab on the cover. It's <laughs> yeah. great. It's well-made. It's like an American giallo, uh, but not too much. It's not trying too hard to be that. And it was just like a very well-made, suspenseful, uh, mystery, horror slasher film with not one but two cast members of the movie Meatballs showing up. I always love <laughs> I always love seeing the campers from Camp North Star show up in other Canadian movies. Mm-hmm. This one had not one but two. <laughs> so highly recommended. A lot of fun. If if like me, you kind of dismissed it. Uh it's it's worth your time. Based on the box cover. Yeah. Based on the box I cover. Also also I, I watched ahead. that recently as well, and I just I had a great time. And it like with that kind of Jello or G- Jello, like influenced movie. Jello, there's always room for it. <laughs> I, I, that, the wilder the explanation for everything, the happier I am, and it is. Oh, it gets nutty. totally bonkers yeah. at the end. Um, and you know, this is a bad movie podcast. I belong to a bad movie group where we watch a movie on on Monday nights occasionally. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever seen it, but last week we watched a film called Georgia Rule, mm, which I'm going to walk you guys through. Oh, I'm kidding. Yeah. Oh, this oh, is just oh, a joke. Don't. Just a joke. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I watched oof. the I watched the movie and then I I watched the movie and then I went back Stuart and heard puts the on episode. <laughs> I I heard the episode. Oh my god, guys, that was. Yeah, um, okay. it's a it's it's a movie. I feel like there's a there. I feel like there there's an oral history done by um what's her name that Russian author who won the Nobel Prize for literature. She does oral histories, <laughs> an oral history of people who went to see Georgia Rule thinking it was going to be a lighthearted yeah. comedy and not being prepared for what it was actually about. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh man. Hey, before we uh, do our normal sign off stuff and uh, plug uh, Kevin's book one more time, there's a announcement I would like to make of a flop house contest, 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 contest. Our producer Dan, don't fall down oh, that. No. Oh no, don't, <laughs> don't fall that that tunnel or that pit. Luckily, ah. my uh, microphone fell down with me, so I can continue talking to you. <laughs> oh, um, our producer Alex Smith, a uh, wonderful producer, does music under the name Howl Doughty and has his own podcast called Howl Dottie's Fast Track, where the premise is that he and his guests will write lyrics to a song in half an hour. Then Alex writes music for that song and kicks it back to the guests to do the vocal tracks. And the three of us were on the show recently. 
We did a song called Sexy Xenomorph, which was about Stuart having mm-hmm. an illicit encounter with the titular Sexy mm-hmm. Xenomorph. And yep. I got to say, we're pretty proud of how it turned out. It's actually a really good song. So we're going to do another Flophouse contest for listeners uh, to make a music video for Sexy Xenomorph. Uh, Alex is going to drop the song in somewhere at the end of this episode, and there will also be a link in the show notes so people can just download the track on its own. Uh, so if you want to enter the contest, what you do is you make a music video for the song. You can do whatever you want, live action, animation, puppets, uh, use old footage and re-edit it, whatever. Uh, if you want to go into the go into the studio archives, get the Xenomorph costume, mm-hmm. put it on, dance around in it, yeah. we can't stop you. Huh? We wouldn't want to. Uh, once you've done your video, uh, upload it as a public video on YouTube with the words uh, "sexy xenomorph" somewhere in the title and somewhere in the video, or just <laughs> Dan, your search is going to bring up a lot of interesting. No, results. no, no, no. no. <laughs> I, it's not for the search; it's just identification. But uh, have "sexy xenomorph" somewhere in the title and somewhere in the video or video description, whichever. Just credit the music to Howl Dottie's Fast Track and the Flophouse podcast. Then once it's uploaded, email a link to us at flophousepodcast at gmail.com with a subject line, Sexy Xenomorph Podcast. Uh, I just, it just occurred to me how funny that is. Uh, yeah. Sexy Xenomorph Contest. Um, so yes, Flophouse Podcast. So sexy xenomorph contest in the subject at line. Gmail. Sexy xenomorph contest with the subject line sexy xenomorph context contest. Sorry, context. What's the context? The context is the <laughs> contest. Xenomorph. So the context is that yeah, there's a contest about a song <laughs> where see. I have an illicit relationship yeah. with a uh, and uh, that explains a lot because this is a little more complex. You know, you have to make an actual video. We're going to be accepting entries up to the stroke of midnight on New Year's Eve. Uh, so as long as you get it in, in 2020, we will take a look once we have, I mean, 2022, 2022, sorry. Oh God. Uh, once we have all the entries, (laughs) everyone, don't worry. You did not miss the deadline by two years. (laughs) Once we have all the entries, we'll, we'll, we'll pick our favorite ones somewhere between five and 10, depending on how many entries we get. And then we'll set up a page of like those semi-finalists on our website where you, the listener can vote on the ultimate winner. And, uh, you know, like that we'll figure out a little later, but we'll probably keep that voting open through January. The winner will get a Flophouse prize pack and get to pick a movie for us to cover. So uh, don't worry if you've missed some of the rules. I'll put this in the show notes and on the website. And you can also (laughs) rewind the – this is a podcast. It's on your – uh, phone or whatever. You can go back and listen to it again. That's the other option. Yeah, don't don't worry. These memories aren't going to disappear like tears mm-hmm. in the rain. You can you can go back and <laughs> and relive them again. So that's the sexy xenomorph. But attack contest. ships will be on fire. Yeah, attack ships will be on fire. Yeah, sea beams off the shoulder of whatever. Yep. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, but um, that's it. Uh, we want to thank. Kevin Marr for being our guest. We want to plug uh, Santa Doesn't Need this Your Help. This is such a treat. Thanks so much, Kevin. Yeah, oh, thank this you, Kevin. great. Thank you, did guys. We, thank you for watching the Munsters movie 10 or 11 times did, for us. We really <laughs> yeah. appreciate that. I, did we? And Dan, Dan, what a great job summarizing. Thank you. I'm trying. Yeah. Well, let's nice do a job, round of Dan. applause. Yeah, Alex, throw yeah, a round of applause. Yeah, let's hear it for there. the boy. Yeah. You give me a thank you, by the <laughs> Oh, I think the boys heard it enough, okay? <laughs> uh, I just want to ask, did we... I don't want to spoil too much of your book, but I don't know whether you even set up the premise of like <laughs> spoiled. Yeah, much. I'm happy to yeah walk people through it. The idea is uh, it's it's 
two nights, it's, it's the night before Christmas Eve, a K-pop band comes to the North Pole to say this year they will take over for Santa and save Christmas. And Santa Claus is realizing year after year, someone from pop culture shows up to save Christmas and he has not gone out in over 20 years. Yeah. So he decides he is tired of being talked down to, like people can't uh, think he can't do his job. He's going to go out and do it himself. As it turns out, Santa has gotten a little old and a little out of practice and has <laughs> a very difficult Christmas Eve night. Yeah. So it is a struggle. It is uh, hilarious. And it's got a lot of good pop culture stuff. If you, uh, if you enjoy Rankin-Bass Christmas specials or just any of the old Christmas specials, I think you'll enjoy some of the humor in here. Beautiful, beautifully illustrated by Joe Dater, who's a New Yorker cartoonist. He has a great sense of composition, how to like tell a story in a single frame. So every every page uh, has some great stuff going on, and it's all it's all written in rhyme. So you'll enjoy getting to read it out loud, if that's your thing. Great. Um, yeah. Yes. That's, uh, I have a copy. It's great. It's great. Well, that's it. I'd like to thank our network, Maximum Fun. Go to maximumfun.org. Check out the other great podcasts on the network. If you like our show, uh, please give us a rating on iTunes, write a review. It does help the way that they have everything set up. If you don't like it, maybe, you know, just, you know, give in to your national impulse to be lazy and not do anything about that. Uh, yeah, do that. And uh, thank you to our- Yeah, why does everyone always need an opinion on everything? Yeah, you, know? you know, if you don't like the podcast, just kind of just remove it from your mind. But if you do like it, maybe hire someone to skywrite about yeah. it over a major metropolitan hire us city. A publicist. Yeah. <laughs> maybe do that. Um, <laughs> yeah, if you could pay for the publicist, that would be great, listener. <laughs> thank you. Eccentric millionaire with the money to burn, why not help us out? But anyway, or a rational millionaire yeah. <laughs> with money to burn. Yeah. We'll accept it from any kind of millionaire. Uh-huh. Uh, thank you again. Not billionaires though. No, no, billionaires you can go stuff yourself. Yeah. To Alex Smith, our producer, uh, of the Howl Doughty Fast Track. Uh, thank you for making us sound good. Uh, and for the Flophouse, I've been Dan McCoy. Hey, I've been Stuart Wellington. This is Elliot Kalen, the real monster. And joining us has been... Kevin Marr. Bye. 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 It was a crisp autumn night, and I'm walking down the street Looking for a special life form that I'd like to meet Rising up in front of me, I beheld an eerie glow But it was just the neon sign of, of the bar where I'd like to go Stuart doesn't know what he's about to find A slimy beast with a dirty mind A body with a body from beyond the stars From a distant planet called Super Mars Super Super sexy bars Super, super sexy, super sexy bars I scroll in the door with my collar popped Order up a drink and some liver shot Out the corner of my eye something glistened and gleamed It was the techno-organic creature of my dreams An instant spark from across the place When he saw the little face inside the bigger face she had a drip he had to taste. Could she have a third face inside a little face?
MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.